Blog Talk Radio. Alicia Keys released this new album, Alicia, 
that everybody has been waiting for. Did you release it on the 18th or the 19th? I can't remember, child. I think it was that. It was late. I think it was the 19th because I was up late and I, I waited up to hear it. Yeah, you hearing a long sigh, okay? Listen, I don't want to do this, but I'm gonna have to do it again, okay? But we y'all I ain't gonna y'all. We'll talk about it a little later on in the show. Alicia Keys album, okay? Damn, I had hopes. I did have hopes. I, but now I've come to the conclusion of what it really is, and I, and I've, i really, I've really dealt with it. I had to deal with it. You know, I, I first that first night I thought it was late. I said it's late. I'm not giving her a moment. Maybe I need to listen to this album again. So when I was working out yesterday, I listened to the album. I, I listened to it again after I had a workout today, and then I work out a little bit afterwards. I listened to it a little bit more. Okay, I, I have a fair uh, assessment of what I feel. <laughs> People are going to be mad at me, shit. That's okay. It's okay. You and Alicia Keys fans going to be mad. Hey, the Beehive always mad at me, okay? But, but you, Alicia Keys fans is gonna be mad, and I'm an Alicia Keys fan. I really like Alicia Keys. I, I've, I've said, you know, how I feel about the hope for I have for Alicia Keys to come through. We'll talk about it a little later. I'm gonna save that a little later on into the show. We got that, that and a whole lot more to be talking about. Just so much more in hot topics. We got, you know, Ruth Ginsburg passed away. Uh, we'll talk about that at the top of the news and what that means for the Democrats. Now, somebody wrote me the other night, one of my friends wrote me, and they're often, sometimes they call into the show, right? And they said, I thought you would be tickled about this. I mean, I'm like, I'm not tickled about anybody's death. What are you talking about? Tickled? No, I'm tickled about the situation, not the death. Okay, Ruth Ginsburg was a great woman, and she held on for a party. And not that I'm not Republican. I can are um are democrat. I'm an independent, but I lean a little bit more conservative sometimes. It depends. When it comes to the budget, I lean conservative. When it comes to social issues, I kind of lean more towards uh, the uh, the left. Okay? So I'm, you know. But listen. I'm going to talk about that. And what what I really feel is you know what I feel? I feel I you know, prayers to her and her fan for her to her family and loved ones that's left behind. Uh, she did. She, hey, she she had twenty some years on the court. She did a lot of awesome things, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But this is why I'm against lifetime appointments, and I'm gonna tell you guys why. Okay, and I hope it doesn't sound rude today what I'm gonna say, but I am so against them, and I don't like the Supreme Court being politicized. Even though I know that politics is going to have an influence, because everybody you bring to the table, your thoughts uh, and your ideas about um, how government works. So I understand that every judge is going to bring that to the table. But I think what we have in the Supreme Court now, what we're watching happen and unfold, is unfortunate for both sides. And and not just Republicans, but Democrats, too. It's just an unfortunate thing how how the Supreme Court situation, uh, you know, how everything – Goals. I mean, it just it gets crazy, you know, to me. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit later on. Okay, y'all know I always tell y'all about my week. My week was child. It was good. It was good but busy. It was, you know, 
can't believe it's almost fall. I'm like, shit, like, I'm sitting here like, shit, is it almost like autumn? <laughs> like, pretty soon we'll be getting ready for Christmas. And I went to this store the other day because, listen, there's a store in Texas. I'm going to start doing because people be always telling me, my friends and stuff be always saying, girl, you need to do a little, uh, you need to do a little, like, blog about fashion and stuff where all the stuff is to get things at discount and everything. I may do something like that for y'all on when I do this Carlisle chat with Paige or whatever. I may do that. But, listen, I, I love to go find deals, right? So the other day I went to this place called Dirt Cheap, right, here in Texas, right? If you've never been, it's like it's like they get all these stuff, like, you know, stuff from stores. The stores didn't sell merchandise, old merchandise and stuff like that. Well, they had a whole bunch of cheap stuff. Like expensive stuff, like cheap stuff that you get. And I got a lot of cheap Kansas City cheap stuff anyway, because I've been a big Kansas City cheap fan for years, you know. So uh, they have all these like cheap Super Bowl stuff and everything, uh, new shirts and everything. Like for $5, you can normally get in a store like $60, $70. Okay, so I was in there and I was like, there was Christmas stuff everywhere. Christmas stuff. I was like, damn. It's already Christmas. But then I remember my grandparents needed a new tree. <laughs> and so my uh so 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 like normally, you know, trees are really expensive, right? And so when I'm home I usually go home sometimes for the holidays and stay a couple of weeks with, uh, stay a couple of weeks with my grandparents or something like that and I decorate and stuff while I'm there. And help well help them. They don't, I don't really be doing it by myself. So there was like this, this tree. They had Christmas trees out, and so I'm sitting here in the midst of talking about the Christmas trees. But then I realized that my grandparents needed one, so I got this chick Christmas tree, really nice one. Like you know, because they put up fake trees. Ain't nobody doing no real trees no more. They used to do that when I was little. They don't do that no more. So we get so that I got this really nice tree. Normally costs a hundred and some dollars, brand new from uh, like you know they got it from other stores. They had tons of them. I mean, like a little bit under twenty dollars. I'm serious. Like, I love stuff like that. So I love to catch deals. So that's my week. <laughs> I mean, I'll be out here catching deals. <laughs> oh, my God. Y'all wouldn't believe the other week, too, like before I left to Kansas City because I went to Kansas City a couple, about a week and a half ago, a couple weeks ago. And they had to sell at Dillard's, Dillard's Outlet. Well, down here in Texas, we had this thing called Dillard's Outlet, okay? We used to have them when I was in Kansas City, but that was years ago. They don't have them too many places anymore. But listen, they are the shit. They be having all kind of stuff, right? So they had towels on sale. And, child, you know how it is to get nice, expensive towels. Shit, they had them towels on sale. My ass was stacking <laughs> stacking up at the deal. Like, they had to buy one, get one free or something. Then they had, like, perfume, name brand perfume, name brand perfume. Buy one, get one free. Y'all gonna be doing y'all Christmas shopping and shit. Y'all better be looking at these discount stores. I be, this is this is my this is my little tip for y'all this week, Okay. I I had all kind of fun stuff that you can get for the holidays. Then I saw these ladies at this counter. I was like, it was like nothing. It was tons of women, okay? And they were selling purses, like, you know, Coach, Dooney, you know, all that stuff y'all like. I love, I'm going to tell you something. I I ain't know, I can't, listen, if I was, if I could, if I could afford a Birkin bag, I'd be a Birkin girl, okay? I can't afford no Birkin bag. (laughs) Right? So I'm like, so, you know, I'm in my price bracket. You know, I like coaches and stuff like that. But, I, I did, you know, there's this new coach they got. I'm just talking to you. I'm rambling right now about my week. So I there's this new – I was about to go buy some, like, some purses. Then I realized – I like – let me go back here. 
I like Betty Johnson purses too. Those little odd purses like they have in like French fries. I'm a, I'm a kind of a young girl at heart. Like they have French fries, telephones. They, Betty Johnson she does a lot of weird purses. Okay, I got one like at Dillard's for cheap. I mean, like I'm serious. This stuff like sometimes you like they don't have them. They're out of like they once they go out to limited edition, they go out of stock, and you can kind of sometimes find them on eBay and stuff for five hundred dollars. Well, I found one for like twenty dollars. This particular purse I was looking for. So that's how great these discounts are, okay? But now let me go on to my coach story, okay? So I was going to get coach because it was on sale because <laughs> that's what I like to do, right? But then somebody reminded me, like, you know, that coach has the, um, what is it? Oh, I'm going to have to tell you all that from the break to make sure of the, what it is, uh, Okay, I will tell y'all about that because I know the women sometimes like to know about little stuff. I be t- I'm gonna t- I'm gonna start telling y'all the business when I'm out because that's one of the things I love to do. So um, I think let me see. I'm trying to look it up now and see if they if that's if they have them out yet. Okay, I'm looking, y'all, because I wasn't expecting to look it up. Okay, so I'm when I come back from break, I'm going to look it up, and I'm going to tell y'all about these new coaches they have out, and I think they're going to sell out really fast. But I'm going to tell y'all about them because I was, like, excited. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, no, I got to wait. <laughs> right? Not that I'm trying to sell y'all. Ain't nobody trying to get me to sell y'all. Well, you know, my friends always tell me, you know, you should do stuff, tell people about this kind. So I'm just telling y'all about my week, what I was doing, okay, this week, because I love to find sales when I get a chance. You know, I'm a sale girl. Can't be forward now. This expensive shit. So I get stuff like if I get, I like to get it on sale. <laughs> so that was my week, y'all. So I, when I come back from great break, I'm gonna tell y'all about these purses that I saw that are really, really great, okay. And also this week, I got to catch up on Love After Lockup. Child, Love After Lockup is a hot mess, okay? Love After Lockup. <laughs> that is my guilty pleasure. Friday nights on Wee TV. I love Love After Lockup. Shit. It is my shit. I love it. Love After Lockup Prisoner is about prison. If, for those of you who are new to the show, okay? It is about. Men and women, okay, finding love in prison, right? And the people are getting out of jail. And so you follow them around and see how their relationships and shit go while they out of jail. Oh, my God, and love after lockup is pure. You think love and hip-hop is pure ratchetness? No. <laughs> love after lockup is pure ratchetness. This is the ratchet side of me loves love after lockup. I love it, so I got to call up and catch up. I have, I'm have one episode behind. No, I'm not all the way because a new episode came out last night. So I'm like one behind. I have not gotten to call cause Somebody asked me about the Housewives of Potomac. I told you all they stressed me out. I haven't got to catch up on them, but I will, okay? Then I finally, because the Braxtons are coming back. The Braxtons are coming back. We just announced this week that the Braxtons are coming back. And I have been watching Tamar's show 
on on WeTV too, because y'all know Tamar Get Your Life show is on. Child, it's, mm, it's, it's eye-opening, child. It's eye-opening. Okay, but uh, I did get to catch up on the Braxton. Remember I kept telling y'all I was going to catch up, I was going to catch up. No, I finally got to catch up. I was watching a little every uh, every part, every day this week, okay? And I was shocked. Like, I didn't know they were declining as a family. I mean, like, that unit is you know, that bad, but it was, it's, it, it was very interesting, uh, actually a little shocking, <laughs> uh, Tamar doing Tamar, <laughs> uh, so I did see that, and so I felt like I'm not going to talk about that new, the old season of Braxton's, but I will tell y'all what I liked about, about Get Your Life. Get Your Life is Tamar's show that they wasn't supposed to air, but I guess they decided to air it. And listen, okay, David and Tamar, the show does not make. It's not there. It's not. The, I don't think it's the producer's fault. I think. Listen, I think anybody who does reality TV. You have to be very aware of your flaws when you do reality TV as a human being. Really, seriously, you have to be very aware of your own flaws, okay? Because once you come, become, put them on TV through reality television, they're going to focus on that because they need ratings. So they're going to focus on. I don't. And, and sometimes I think the producers try it, but sometimes I think they're just triggering you and just naturally bringing out in you what's already there. And that's why I think they're kind of, I personally, I don't think I would ever go on one uh, because I'm I'm ultra, I don't want people to know my business <laughs> like that. I mean, I tell y'all my business, but I don't, y'all don't get to hear all of them. But, I, I mean, I just, I feel like they bring out so much. They do more damage than they do harm, okay? Now, Tamar this week was getting upset because this, this is actually, I don't see, I don't see the producer's, doing anything wrong to her. They just wanted this dream catcher lady or somebody's trying to coach her. And Tamar got upset because she wanted her to go to one of those places where you hit you hit things to get your frustrations out. But for some reason, Tamar and her overdramatic self start thinking that it was about, like, you, every black woman don't want to fight. Every black woman don't want to do this. Every black woman don't this. I'm not fighting nobody. I'm not fighting them girls at the real. I'm not fighting my sisters. I'm just fighting the devil. <laughs> you know, I tell you more, dudes, right? I was, I was just sitting there going, wow. <laughs> but nobody mentioned her sisters or the real. So my in my head, she is fighting them. You know what I'm saying? In my head, and and what they did what, by suggesting that to her, she was talking about, you know, the, the stereotype of the angry black woman, but that's exactly how she looked when they asked her about going to this thing to let out frustration. She ended up looking like an angry black woman. And so I always tell people when you have mental illnesses, I mean, things like that, reality TV is not good because it's going to bring out everything. Every ugly thing about you, like unless you're doing a little documentary, has a cele- like even celebrities. If you're doing like they used to have this thing on years ago uh, on MTV called Diary. I love that. It was like a short little documentary of 
of celebs' life, okay? And so I remember they Jennifer Lopez they had on one time. And just in that little flick of Jennifer Lopez, like she was going with Puffy at the time. This was years ago. I'm telling my age, okay? And I remember watching it, and I remember how jealous he was about He was kind of upset because she was getting ready to do a movie. And I already had, I could see in that moment they were going to break up. I was like, you know, Nick, I mean, Nick, well, she's an actress. What do you think she go? What's going to happen? She going to go. She got to do movies. She got to kiss other dudes, right? But you could see in that little, that little flick of even that little diary thing the issues, right? Um, I remember they did one on Aaliyah. They did, like, a, a few of them. I actually think that when celebrities do stuff like that, those are cool. I would not like something like Diary that follows you around for 48 hours. might show a little flick of something, but it doesn't show like eight, like when Mariah did eight weeks. You know, uh, we got to see a lot, and we were like, damn. <laughs> All right? So I just think sometimes people have to be very careful or know what they're getting into when you step into the uh, the reality TV game, okay, because – it is very. It can be very revealing, in a, and and it can be, it can be more expansive of your flaws. You know, it can expand them to the outside world even more, right? So that was what I did in catching up. I also, you know, I got to see. We're gonna see power this week. I probably talk about power next week. Power two. Uh, what other reality TV shows? What was I? What else was I watching? Y'all, y'all asked me about. I don't know. What else have I been watching out here? I probably have to go through my thing because, you know, I have to catch up on them because I don't watch them. Like, sometimes I don't catch them on the day of because I'm doing other stuff. But I, I will try to catch up with the with the other ones. I don't know. I don't forget what other ones <laughs> I was watching. But that's my week, okay, in a nutshell, what I was doing, trying to catch up on those and stuff like that. Okay, child, now it is time for a segment that I call It's a Word, okay? Every week I give y'all some motivational uh, thing that hopefully that helps y'all through y'all week and encourages y'all, encourages my damn self. I've been preaching to myself. Because <laughs> usually I'm giving y'all something that I am going through, okay? Well, today, it's a word, is being yourself, being your best self takes time, Okay? And at times it may hurt. I didn't know what I was going to talk to y'all about today. I was like, what's going to be my use of work? Because sometimes I just don't have one. But today I was doing, I was, uh, I have I have my group exercise on Saturday mornings, right, with a group that we do it via Zoom. And we get to talk to each other back and forth and stuff, and our, train, my, our trainers on there and stuff. And, man, she gave us a hard exercise. I mean, she gave us, really, it was really hard. Okay, a lot of cardio, stuff like that. And I was just thinking, you know, getting through the exercise, how painful. I was like, Shh. you know, like thinking about how painful and stuff it was, how hard it was. And, you know, a little bit during it, I was like, Shh. I'm about, I feel like giving up. <laughs> and that's sometimes how I feel, you know, as I'm going through this journey towards, like y'all know, I've been talking to y'all about my journey, my weight loss journey, and there's, Good days and bad days and stuff like that. And, man, for a moment I was like, oof, this is a lot, you know. 
But it's supposed, then I remembered, I thought about it, I said, well, things like this hurt. It's going to hurt when you're trying to develop into a new person or when you're trying to develop, not a new person, but a new way of living. Uh, When you make a decision that you're going to get healthy or a decision you're going to do something, with, with every decision you make in life comes a price, comes a cost to it, okay? Life has always got its hand down saying, what price are you willing to pay? How bad do you want it, right? So I want you guys to know that today, that no matter if you're going through something and you're trying to find, you know, you might be just saying, you know what, Carlotta, I'm going through something. I've made a decision to do something, and it is hard, you know. It's, I made it, Maybe you make a decision to lose weight. Carlotta, I have a hard time. I like, you know, I like eating ice cream every day, or I like... <laughs> Or something like that. Well, you can, you know, I always tell people you can find, I be telling people who like ice cream, I say, you know, you can do skinny cow. They got, uh, they got them little bitty calorie things for 100 calories. <laughs> I mean, you can have ice cream every day and still lose weight, okay? You just have to do it. You can, It's portion size, right? So it may be, you know, you have to give up something that make, that's so hard for you to do, but you've already decided to do it. And it may be discouraging and sometimes, and you may feel the pain of it all. Expect that, okay? So this is some of my uh, tips for y'all and myself to keep going even when it hurts or even when it's hard, okay, uh, to be your best self, okay? Here's the thing. One of the painful things that you go through when you've decided that you're going to live life differently and live at your, try to live, try to live at your best self, okay? You are constantly in, in life, you're going to be constantly doing that, okay? You're going to be constantly changing and trying to move the goalposts for yourself until you die, right? Uh, we never have it perfect. That's why we need Jesus, right? <laughs> so, listen, you may lose people when you decide to live a great life. Everybody doesn't want to accompany you, and that's okay. Everybody, all your all your friends don't want to go. They don't want to be bothered. Everybody does not want to accompany you on the way to living your best life. This is what it is, and it's okay. Everybody doesn't want to do, go towards where but you're going there, and you be decided in your head that, you know what, I may lose some people with where I'm going, but it's all, it's all good. I will gain some people along the way, and I will gain some people when I get there to my next goalpost, okay? Uh, next thing is change requires courage. Man, I tell myself that all the time because I get fearful, you know, so I have to tell myself all the time it, it's going to require courage of you, you know. It's going to uh, require some, um, some I remember, like, How can I say this? I used to be scared, like, you know, I, I it took me a long time to start driving. Serious, no no doubt. I got that Saturn in Gemini. It's just a straight up truth. <laughs> and I was so like fearful about certain things. There's still some things I'd be fearful about, you know. But uh like when I, I, I knew I learned how when I was twenty years old, but I was so fearful like of getting the license and all kind of stuff. You know, just a lot of fear. And I had to have courage 
to finally go get my driver's license. It's so funny when I, and this was years ago when I got it, but I finally had to have a church. And it's so funny because my granny got hers late in life, like around like 30 or something like that. And my, my mom did too. And we all knew how to drive before then, okay? And we all we all drove cars regularly <laughs> without license, right? That would have been perfect in New York because New York you don't really have to drive. But in Kansas City you needed to, right? So, yeah. So I I had this really crazy fear, and here was it was so unfounded because the day I go finally, you know, after all these years, because like of being scared, and this was years ago, to get my license, there is one of my patients who's one of the uh, people who gave the driver test, <laughs> like from where I used to work at. And I was totally relaxed, and he was totally cool, and we was talking, and we was like easily. Ta- it was nothing to be for, afraid of. I was fearful for nothing, and all the years I've been running around there taking chances, driving legal, doing all kinds of things, I didn't have to do it. It was, it it was, I, it wasn't even that hard, <laughs> right? So I, this is what I say to people that sometimes your fears are irrational, okay? They're just irrational, and, and there's no place. And I have a lot of them, okay? So I understand, okay? So it takes courage to change. It takes courage to be your best self. It takes courage to go to the gym when you have been, over, uh, uh, you know, when you haven't kept yourself up. You know, I was so scared my first, like, weigh-in, like, on my first, like, measurement, you know. I was like, dang, somebody else going to feed me? <laughs> and I still have a thing. Like, I'm still showing, like, I still, when I take pictures, I still take them, like, half pictures because I just, like, I'm not ready. <laughs> Even though everybody be telling me, you look hot. But I'm just like, no, I'm just not ready. You know what I'm saying? But, but that, that, Sometimes our fears are irrational. You have, you know what you have to do to go get in shape. You know what you have to do to get your license. Or you know what you have to do to get your house that you're dreaming of. You know what you got to do to get that car you want. You know what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? You, you get what I'm saying? Okay. So, you know, like I say, I use that story because my fear was irrational. <laughs> right? So uh, that's what I just want to say. It takes courage. Uh, change requires courage, Okay. And listen, be willing to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be easy. Let me go to an extreme thing, okay? You talk to people who have been on drugs or people who are recovering alcoholics, they will tell you that it is not easy. It should just say easy, you know. They will tell you they, 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 their whole life, they will always kind to kind of maybe a little bit have to do things to to go another way, you know. And most of them say that I've talked to said it is taking courage. And you know what? Most just like a drug addict, if you've ever been a food addict, okay, it's kind of the same thing a little bit, you know. Just one is way faster of a demise, but you have to have the courage to face your emotional trauma are the courage to face your everyday emotions maybe that you don't want to face by uh, by saying, you know what, I've got to remove uh, the thing that is stifling me, the thing that is hurting me, 
it's not helping me, it's hurting me. So it's like you've, if you use an addiction so that you won't deal with emotional trauma or, or you use an addiction to not deal with um, your emotional everyday life, then that can hurt you. It can destroy you. It can take your life, right? So it's not helping really. It might allow you to go into a fantasy world for a period of time and tell nobody likes I like daydreaming and all that. I get it, okay? But it, and it may even if if you're eating a lot or whatever, it may take away the pain uh, momentarily. But in the long run, what you have to uh, do, what I mean, in the long run, uh, it ends up it's not worth it, right? When you're out of shape, okay, and you you found out that you've uh, you've damaged your health in some way. Or when you've been an addict for so long and you you've you've isolated people you love and care about, okay, and you lost a lot of things because of it, okay. So whatever it is you're going to through, understand that sometimes that going through uh, those things are uncom it's uncomfortable. Sometimes you have to remove uh, the addiction and feel the discomfort. We're supposed to feel. You know, we are, and, and that, and sometimes that's very hard for me because I always love to feel uh, good. I'm a, I like to be a happy person, but I also understand that being human, we are supposed to uh, embrace our, our range of emotions. We don't have to stay in them, but we have to embrace them, right? And 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 if we don't uh, embrace that trauma we're dealing with or embrace it, it'll still affect us. Even though we're not dealing with it, it's dealing with us, right? So um, it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel hurt. It's okay to feel pain. There's not, I guarantee you, even though you're unique, every human being is unique, fearfully and wonderfully made and has a unique story in life, but I guarantee you someone shares some parts of your story. No matter how traumatic they are or how hard they are, okay? And you'll hear a lot of times, you know, sometimes people when they're coming out for alcohol addiction, addiction or drug addiction, they say, you know, the withdrawals are hard. But then they also go through the withdrawal of of something blocking their emotions. Okay, and understand that those feelings are going to come and you're going to feel them. But you have to be willing to be uncomfortable to get through, okay, because on the other side is something good. It's something good, okay. So I want to encourage you all in that today. Be willing to be uncomfortable, okay. And the next thing is don't be so hard on yourself. There will be setbacks. That is life. Listen, my Virgo moon child be hard. I be hard on me. Let me tell y'all, I be talking about myself. Y'all think I be talking about people on here. I be talking about, um, about my own damn self. <laughs> I be like, girl, if you don't do this, I'm harder. I'm hard on myself emotionally. So sometimes I have to be saying to myself, don't be so hard on yourself. It's okay. It's okay that I had that Gigi's cupcake yesterday. <laughs> I had to go get one. Shit. Right? It's okay if I have a bad day. It's okay if I emotionally have a day where I'm just drained. 
It's okay if I'm not perfect and everything is not right sometimes. It's okay. It's human. It's okay to have setbacks. That's life. So don't be so hard on yourself. You're going to have setbacks, but remember, I always get ready for the comeback. I learned that from Tim Story years ago. This preacher called Tim Story. He said, "Say don't take." He said, uh, "What did he used to say?" He used to tell us that he used to come to our school when I was at Oral Roberts University, and he would come to school to the school and preach. And he would say, "If you have a step back, don't don't take a step back. Get ready for the comeback." I used to love that. If you have a step back, I mean, if you have a setback, don't take a step back. Get ready for the comeback. I to love when he would preach to us, like he was a young hip preacher. And so um, I remember that. So if you have a, a setback, that's okay. Don't fall back. Just get ready for the comeback, okay? You will have you will have setbacks. That's life. Don't limit or underestimate yourself. Leave that for your adversaries, your haters, or whatever you like to call them, okay? Don't limit yourself by age, by um you know, uh, by um, by lots of things. You think you can't do something, but you if you if if you feel like you sometimes we have a gut feeling we can, we can do something, but yet we're trying to limit ourselves with all kind of outer uh, things that are not that that has any have nothing to do with what we can do, what's on the inside of us. And so what I mean by don't limit yourself is don't say, hey, I can't do that. I'm I'm too old to do that. I'm too this to do that. I'm too that. Because I was doing that a few weeks ago. I told you I had a great um, coaching session with Apollonia where she talked about, you know, purpose for our astrology. That's one of the things she's talking about to me. She's like, you know, you limit yourself so much. Don't limit yourself, okay? That They're going, you know, leave that for the haters. They do that all the time. Oh, you ain't going to do that. You don't do that. Leave that for your adversaries. Sky is limit for you, okay? Do whatever and try whatever you think you can. And then you will find out what your limits are. Because there are some limits in life, right? But you find out by doing them. That's why I love watching. I'm going to tell you who I love watching. I always talk about him on here, Will Smith. I love when he does these crazy daring, crazy things he does. Like he was swimming with the strikes or something the other day. I taped it or something. I haven't got a chance to watch all of it. But... I love that he doesn't underestimate himself. He doesn't limit himself. And, I'm sure, and he's had failures. Like he says, why, why, West was a failure. He names some things that people would consider a failure, but he never limits himself. He leaves that for y'all, but he goes and he lives life. And I really, I can, I can dig that, right? You know who else does that? Oh, Beehive, y'all going to be, y'all going to like this, what I'm getting ready to say, Beehive. Beehive, come close, because it don't happen too often. Beyonce, that Virgo does that. I know she's hard on herself on the inside. She's a Virgo sun. I'm a. It's so funny. Beyonce's a Virgo sun, Scorpio moon. I'm a Virgo. I'm a. I'm a Scorpio, Scorpio sun, Virgo moon. So you would think we'd probably get along. <laughs> but on here, I'd be like, I can't stand her. But listen, Beyonce never limits herself. I love that. Even though I don't like her jumping in everybody's lane because of her insecurity. But I do love that she doesn't limit herself in performance, okay? She doesn't, she tries to go for it. And that's good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing, right? She lets people, like me, the haters limit her, okay? So I love that, all right? 
I'm not a hater, really, but, you know, I'm going to be constructive criticism. <laughs> accept constructive criticism, okay? Even accept something from your haters, because can I tell you something? Sometimes the haters see something. If it's a bunch of them, okay, if it's a bunch of people saying the same stuff, sometimes you need to probably sit back and listen. Accept constructive criticism. You ain't got to accept really bad criticism, you know, where people just don't have no care. But you can accept constructive criticism. And I'm going to even say accept some criticism from your haters because sometimes your haters can see things that you can't. I remember I heard Jill Scott say this, and I and I this is, I think I've talked about this on the show before. Jill Scott said that she liked to read comments about her, the good and the bad, because she said sometimes they actually see something. Like, you know, sometimes it's really something they actually see. I heard her say that years ago, and it's a way she can check herself a little bit. So I, I, I will say that except construction, constructive criticism, and I sometimes have a hard time with that. But you have to, and you know what, me, y'all know me, and I be giving out so much shade. I got a lot of nerves, right? <laughs> but you got to learn to accept that, okay? Uh, put it on paper, set goals, okay? Put your goals on paper, write it down, write the vision, make it plain, all right? Okay, right. it always helps when you write your vision down or your goals and your purpose, okay? And the next thing is um, decide to decide, okay? If you want a certain type of life, decide to decide. Decide this is how it's going to be. This is what how I want to live. And as far as I know, some of y'all might got think you got multiple lives or whatever. I don't know. Whatever the case. Decide to decide. Act as if this is your life right now, and you're going to live it to the best of your ability. Decide to decide how that's going to be. And once you make that decision, don't turn back. Don't don't look, you know, don't look in the rearview mirror. Just keep forward. Once you decide to decide, great things happen. Okay? Once you make the decision, you say, you know what, this is the way I'm going. When you're indecisive, you know, indecisive things happen. <laughs> but when you, I trust me, I know. But when you, when you decide, great things begin to happen for you because you decided on, it's something about, you know, God's universe and how God set up universal laws for us that in decision-making, when you decide to go away, whether it's good or bad, forces will come to help you, whatever way you're going. If it's going downhill, forces are going to come to help you go downhill. If you're going uphill or you're going towards something uh, great, forces are going to come to help you, but it's in indecisiveness where you stop. And you're unsure. And forces are there, too, to keep you stuck. And that's the worst. Okay? So just decide to decide. All right? And that is my it's a word for today. I hope it helps some of y'all out here. I hope y'all were encouraged. And I hope you guys use it in your life. And I hope it helps you in some sort of way. Okay? Oh, child, it's time for break. It's time for break. It is. It is. Okay. When I get back, we're going to be talking um, about hot. T- we're going to talk about this news out in the street. California. Y'all having some earthquakes out there? Mm, Lord, we don't need, y'all need to have that that fault line. Don't need to be acting up right now. See, y'all got fires and earthquakes. Oh, no. 
Okay, we'll talk about that. We'll talk. About, I don't know if we talked about Naomi Campbell last week getting sued. Did I talk about Naomi Campbell getting sued by her man, by her, by her ex sugar daddy? I don't think I did. We're gonna talk about that, okay? And um, what else? Oh, I'm gonna tell y'all about that coach thing, the coach bag that's coming out. Okay, I gotta figure out when it's coming out, but I'm gonna tell y'all about it. Okay? Uh, then uh. We're going to talk about these U.S. billionaires and how they they money is skyrocketing while y'all losing jobs and stuff out in these streets, okay? And then Kylie Jenner, we're going to talk about her and her fake income and all that. <laughs> and more when I get back, okay? Meanwhile, y'all, we got to listen to my favorite new edition song, okay? My favorite new edition song is a strange one, right? But I love it. It's like you have to be a true new edition fan to appreciate this song. And people say, what's your favorite new edition song? Is it, what's my secret, lost in love, this blah, blah, blah. They, you know, they name all the popular ones. And I'm, I I have two that's really, I mean, I love all the new edition songs, but I have two that are my favorites, okay? One of them is Lifetime, Once in a Lifetime Groove. Oh, I love that song, okay? Once in a Lifetime Groove, I still, I, I still play that, right? But my favorite. Favorite new edition song. I have a favorite. I really do. It's called Mary Ann, okay? This is new edition Mary Ann. It's the CC show. I'll cry a lot of y'all. I'll be back in a moment, okay?
Besides Maxwell, y'all know I got Maxwell's king of R&B, but besides Maxwell, okay, I'm going to give a crown out because y'all got to replace R. Kelly's crown. Since y'all, y'all, y'all done, what are y'all doing with R. Kelly? Like y'all, y'all manning him or whatever. Okay. So I, listen, I think you should give it the baby's face. Face, I, I, I mean, I've been listening to Face. Face got so many joints. I just, I, baby face. He done wrote so many joints for everybody. He, his albums are always good. Baby face. That's that's who I'm giving it to. <laughs> All right. And with Miss Karen White. Karen White, y'all. Y'all know, listen, Karen White was on the show years ago. I'm a big Karen White fan. So I was like, geek. <laughs> if you go back in the archives and listen, listen to that interview, I was so excited to have her on the show because I have been talking about for years, like, where is Karen White? <laughs> right and like you know I saw her online I was like let me write her people and see if she'd come on the show and she came on and she was so she was so fun and gracious and stuff like that so if you guys get a chance to check out that archive show me Paul and uh, Brandy did and DJ I think years ago where we interviewed Karen White because me and Paul mostly uh check that out it was really good it's really fun it's funny because Paul asked her because she was married y'all know she used to be married to Terry Lewis right and she, and Paul said, did he ever take out that hat? Hilarious. But it, it's it's a really good interview, so check that one out, okay? Maybe I'll, you know, one day see if Karen White will come back on, okay? So I love, I love, because what I tell people about Karen White is she was the it girl in the 80s. Like, going, she, to me, I mean, they don't, they're nothing alike in sound, but I feel like where Karen White, when she went off the scene, because she was, she was married and she had a family and stuff like that. When she went off the scene, I feel like Tony Braxton came in, you know, and I feel like Karen and her, their style, their style, not their sound, but their styles were a little bit similar. And I feel like Tony was a little bit of a continuation of Karen White. And, she, you know, Karen worked with Babyface. I think Karen worked for both, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Babyface, okay? But, yeah, Karen got some joints, okay? Besides Superwoman shit, because all y'all listen to is Superwoman. But you know what was really good? Her albums, that corporate corp, uh, corporate corporate DM album, that last one she had. Oh, it's, it was really good. A lot of people didn't a lot of people didn't know about that 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 album. It was really really good. Okay, Caesar Day album, really good. Okay, so shout out to Karen White out there if she's listening. Okay, all right. So listen, what was I gonna talk to y'all about? Oh yeah, the co- coach, right? So remember I was telling y'all about these sales and stuff during my week section of the show, okay? So I found out that Coach, I think, let me see, I'm looking now, I've already seen that they've already, I think they're already on sale. Okay, so I think they're there. Okay, John michelle Basquiat. Basquiat, I don't know if I always say his name right. I'm kind of fascinated with him, but I can never say his name, his last name right, you know. But they're selling purses, like, of the design. I mean, I guess they've gotten licensed. The purses are dope. <laughs> right? Coach is doing it now, so I'm telling all you ladies right now. <laughs> they are really nice. So I said I wanted to wait. To like, I need, to, I need one of those purses, right? I love, uh, I loved his, his I, you know what, it wasn't so much of Jean's, um, of his artwork, because I feel like, like, 
Like, you look at some shit and you go, I can draw that, right? You know, and some of the John, I think it was not, I think that it was his boldness, his audacity, and his, his how he saw culture through his artwork. And I think his life overall was such a fascinating one. So I'm more I'm more intrigued by the person than I am by the artwork, but I like the artwork secondly because I feel like even though his artwork, in my opinion, was so simplistic, the graffiti, graffiti style that he was known for, it was so simplistic, but it was very much a part of who he was, you know, and, and he was very artistic and, and, and everything. And I really just, I've seen several documentaries and a movie on him and you know I really feel like we we don't get enough. I even took a took a, a art class and we talked about him a lot in the art class. I I really feel like probably, you know, he needs another movie. The kids today need to be introduced to him again. I really think so. All right, so I wanted to share that with you ladies out there, okay? You can get purses and coaches having doing some, a, a special where they're doing coaches like with his graffiti artwork and stuff like that on the purse, all right? All right, so let's talk about uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, dies at 87 this week. Uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on Friday of complications uh, from pancreas cancer. The Supreme Court announced this is according to MSN.com, okay? It says our nation has lost a jurist a histor- of historic stature. Chief Justice John G. Roberts, Jr. said in a statement, we at the Supreme Court have lost a cherished colleague today. Uh, we mourn, uh, let's see here. Today we mourn, but with confidence that future generations will remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg as we knew her, a tireless and resolute champion of justice, okay? The development will give President Trump the opportunity to name her successor, and the Senate Republicans have promised to try to fill the vacancy even in the wanting days of his first term. The confirmation uh, battle in the middle of a pandemic and presidential election is sure to be titanic, okay? Uh... Yes, it is, okay? And, you know, first of all, sad news, okay? She 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 was a very strong woman. I watched her uh, sit, try to really, I mean, y'all Democrats have been having prayer circles and everything going, I know, for Ruth Ginsburg, okay? So, I, I mean, I, I watched her really fight for her to stay on her seat, and really fight, you know, to not give up her seat and try to stay on as for as long as she could. And, you know, that's to be that's to be commended that she was like that for a party. Do I agree with what she did? Not necessarily, but I understand, okay? And it's commendable, right? Uh, but this is why I feel like the Supreme Court is so contentious and so it's partly it's, it's American to be that way, okay? Because we are America. We we are supposed to be uh, kind of have bureaucracy is a good thing. We're supposed to go back and forth with each other. We we are a democracy. We have disagreements and we have freedom of speech, and that's what makes America great, right? But I also feel that the Supreme Court should stop in some ways at politics, like being so political. The Supreme Court has become, it's just, I mean, it's its very political. 
and I'm trying to think of different ways the Supreme Court could find balance. Like I thought, like maybe have Democrats have this so that it won't be based just based on politics. But then some people think, hey, well, they would always be in a deadlock or something like that. I don't know. I just feel like that you ha- we have to find some way to take politics out of the Supreme Court. And I also feel like lifetime appointments are bad. I mean, I don't think people should sit up on the Supreme Court to their 89 and 90. Like, you could have a term on the Supreme Court maybe for a number of years. And I just feel like, yeah, do, do I think they should have long terms? Yes, okay, because legislation takes a while, okay? So I do feel like there should be long terms. Like, in the Senate and in the House, there should be uh, like a number of three to four terms. Okay, but you shouldn't have any more than that, okay? But in terms of the Supreme Court, I would say they need a retirement age, okay, like maybe 65, because Ruth sat up there for a long time. I mean, sometimes I would see, like, I'd be looking like, is she okay? Like, she'd be looking like she's asleep. But she was hanging on for her seat for the Democrats, hoping that a Democratic president would get in there and take her seat instead of a time when she probably could have been, you know, I don't know what she was doing. I mean, you know, like if she could have been enjoying her life and, I could enjoy her life. I mean, she probably did got to get a lot of time, but the stress of holding a seat for your political party is a lot. And then in the end, she dies a few months before the election, which gives Donald Trump time to get somebody in there. And it becomes a political nightmare again, okay? Politics should play a role. In how uh, in the Supreme Court, in, as if if you're a justice, a very small role though, a very uh, it should play. What should play? What should be? And but here's the problem: the way that each judge, because of because of of politics, everybody, uh, the job of the Supreme Court is really to uphold the constitutional constitutional laws, it's a legislative body, it's a judicial, it's part of the judicial body of, of our government, there's three parts of our government, you know, um, and uh, there's a legislative body, judicial, and uh, executive branch, right, and the Supreme Court is the judicial, okay, so what, you know, so it, it holds up the law, upholds the laws of the land. The problem is when politics Everybody discerns those laws, the Constitution, even though the Constitution is clear, it's fucked to me. But <laughs> And that isn't from a political standpoint. It's, it's, it's just clear about, like, these, this was a mix, this was a group of founders who came together and put together a document from different bodies, okay, that they felt would bring checks and balances, that they felt that each branch would be protect each branch would uh would check the other we we don't have that so much anymore now it just seems like we're just getting a lot of hogwash and and a lot of branches arguing uh i so when you get judges coming to those seats uh they're 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 supposed to protect the laws of the land, but they're becoming they're instead of that what's being more important is the party line. Am I a Democrat? Am I a Republican? Am I a Democrat? Am I a Republican? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy, and that law should go beyond your politics. Politics play a part, 
but not the whole thing. And so what we have is a very political fight. And this is partly why coronavirus is being overhyped, by the way, because this is uh, the Democrats need to overhype it because they know this is uh, uh, for the they, – they don't really care about the election. They care about that Supreme Court seat. And I've been saying this. If you've been listening to the show – for a long time, you know, I've been saying this. I've been saying there's two things that's important. As you talk, we're talking about the globalism versus nationalism. That's first. And the second thing is the Supreme Court seat, which will determine how America goes over the next several years. Now, Supreme Court nominees are a little tricky. John Roberts, who is a conservative, definitely a conservative, Makes majority conservative decisions, but every now and then, John Roberts goes rogue. I like it. <laughs> I love a Supreme Court justice that goes rogue. I love it. Sometimes he does not go with the party line. And that, to me, that is a great judge, okay? That is a great judge. I love that. He sometimes, and that's a lot, and over the over the years of the Supreme Court lifetime, Supreme Court justices, some of them have been tricky. They haven't always gone party lines, and that's a good thing, right? So you might get in there and get somebody in there, and they might be Republican on paper, but they might. you might get a one like a John Roberts who sometimes goes a little rogue every now and then. I like that, and that's what the court to me should be built of people who are be who can see uh laws beyond their party lines. Right? They can see how what does this does this uh go with our constitution? Is this granted under the constitution? Do we need to make amendments and stuff like that? That is that's the that's the biggest body, that's the end. The Supreme Court is the end of the line. So how we see the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, the decisions they make are very important. Now, I often, listen, my conspiracy theorist head also says Supreme Court judges could probably be bribed. This is my this is conspiracy theory head, okay? Because there's 12 of them, and, you know, you might show one of them a picture of them. They made somebody sleeping with they, you know, they somebody on the side or whatever, and you can probably ruin a whole, you can mess up laws. I, I'm sure there's protections against that, but in America you never know. Okay, but judges are important. I just hate that they're so political. Now, somebody asked me, was I tickled by this? I am tickled by the scenario, not by Ruth Ginsburg passing away. No way. Even at 87, you know, she was. I wish that it, she could have stayed on the court because she was such a, 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 a um, and even in some of her decisions, if you read even some of her decisions, she was such a, a kind of radical for the things that she believed in. Uh, you know, it, you know, you'd hate to see anybody go out because of pancreas cancer, no matter the age or whatever. But she lived a long, full life. She should have been retired from the Supreme Court to me years ago. This is my personal opinion because I don't think nobody should stay that long. But she kind of started late, too. She was only there 27 years or something like that. So I get it. Uh, but am I tickled by the scenario? Yes, because the Dems have been kicking up a lot of dust for no damn reason. Here you go. Here she. Here you go. You, Ruth dies two 
two, how many months before the election? Two months before the election. <laughs> what are you? And Donald Trump <laughs> probably will get his nominee in. Why? Because the Senate is going to be in charge of that. Now, unfortunate. How unfortunate for Democrats? Okay, they can fight. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna put up a hell of a fight. But I bet he. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets his person through. Next, which is setting up, which sets up Donald Trump's legacy completely. Okay, especially if he doesn't get a role again. Okay. Now. Yes, he's he's already nominated two court judges, but they were remember they were conservatives. They were just replacing conservative judge. This will tip the court, okay? And so this means there can be a lot of rollbacks on things like, uh, you know, maybe on you know how how we see uh, uh, pre, you know uh, abortion, uh, marriage, gay marriage. It can be a lot of the rollbacks on different things, okay? So because um, conservatism, I don't know, you know. Uh, this should be interesting. Am I tickled by the scenario? Yes, because this shows that life keeps on ticking into the future, right? And they could have had this fight six months ago. You know, I, I, I it's still going to come out him probably picking that nominee. And to me, the Democrats haven't focused on the thing that makes. Uh, that 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 would help them beat Trump, and that's policy. And they haven't focused on the people who put them in there at ninety percent, which is Black Americans. They haven't focused on Black Americans very much. They haven't listened to what Black Americans want very much. Uh, you know uh, what they're looking for for them to do. And you know the Democrats just look asked out right now. <laughs> they're gonna have to put up a hell of a fight. Okay, now it's a cold ass world because. Right after she died, okay. Right after she died, right. I mean, like not like you. Now you know that she's been a thorn, right, for the Republicans. The Republicans is like they. You know that she that that Ruth sitting up on that seat has been pissing them off, right? They immediately announced they're going to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg on Supreme on the Supreme Court, and McConnell says he will get the Senate vote. Okay, that's if he ain't got no Republicans that go rogue. Okay, you know that can happen sometimes. They were immediately said they had already they already had a short list. <laughs> that she wasn't even told. She might wasn't even told yet. It was probably like marching out talking. Uh, get that 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 seat ready. See how life keep on going. No matter who be, how big you are, death is the great equalizer, ain't it? Death, it don't even matter that she was a they Supreme Court judge. They like shit. We about to replace her ass right in a minute. Five seconds here. She's sitting her ass up there. We get ready to replace her. The Democrats. You see how politics roll? They was and he had no problem saying it. Uh, we will replace her right away. Short time. What? So yes, I'm tickled by the scenario. Of it all because first of all, shout out to Ruth because she's held on. That's for damn sure she held on. Okay, but this, this scenario shows how important it is. I, you know, and I can't say I blame Barack Obama for all of this. All of it. He was a lame duck president his second time. He could have put somebody in 
one of those seats. He could have tipped it too, but he couldn't get his person through because he wasn't ruling the Senate. All that no other politician coming into office had the political leverage that Barack Obama has had. Barack Obama could have got anything passed. He went for health care. He started going for crazy shit. And he didn't pay attention to black folk, which I believe hurt. Not only did he hurt the party for the future, because he's the first black president. He's the first African-American. I got to make the African-Americans see that. You haven't had an African-American president. You haven't had an ADOS president, which is an American descendant of slave president. Barack Obama's half Kenyan. Uh, what's her name? Kamala Harris will be half Jamaican. She is not a descendant of slaves, and according to her father, not even on the Jamaican side. Okay, so listen, you still haven't had a president, black folks in America, traditional black people in America. Okay, and but the first black one ignores you, which I'm going to talk about what Chris Rock said in a minute here. Okay, and he sets up a scenario. For the Democrats, for Hillary Clinton, when she comes in, which Hillary Clinton was a bad candidate anyway, I've been saying that for years, but he sets it up worse for her to lose because he because the, the, it was voter uh, lethargy after that. Nobody wanted to, everybody's saying that the black president didn't do shit, who else is going to do shit? And the Barack Obama has set the Democratic Party up for failure, and black folks, we are part of that because we didn't demand anything from Barack Obama's emperor ass, okay? So, here we are, with Donald Trump about to nominate somebody and tip, probably probably get his person in, and tip the scales. Oh, on the socialist front, it's going to be hard for black folks. But you know what? This is good. I said this is good. Black people, you need this kick in the ass. You need Donald Trump. Whether you don't think you need Donald Trump, Donald Trump is the best damn thing that ever happened to black people. I say it, I say it over and over again because you're finally woke. You're finally woke to injustice. You're not sleep up under the Democrats. The Democrats love you to sleep, and then you wake up and say, "Damn, yeah, what happened? We ain't got nothing." Because you believe the Democrats because they pretend to be your friends. The Republicans, they don't. They like, it is what it is. We ain't trying to pass no reparations laws. We ain't trying to help y'all asses out. Matter of fact, we definitely think y'all should be back in the big uh, in the big houses and cleaning and stuff. <laughs> we, we don't even want to acknowledge slavery. Now, the Democrats fake. The liberals fake. The liberals are the worst because the liberals act like they like you but pass policy against you or ignore you and look for a new voter set, like they've been courting Latinos and everything else, but ignoring you, and they've been, t- and y'all, and they've been telling y'all, we can't do nothing for you. What did come out of here and say? We ain't, I ain't going to just do nothing for black people, but yet she's courting Indian Americans and everybody else telling them what she's going to do for them. Okay, you see what I'm talking about? So the Democrats don't deserve any vote. We, and you know what? Donald Trump and this Supreme Court thing, it is good. Black people, it's good for you. It's good because you're going to be woke now more than ever before because they are going to start to kick you in your ass, especially with AI coming up. 
By 2030, they estimate black household incomes will be at zero because most black folks are doing service jobs. And a lot of them will be replaced with AI. Oh, it is good. Which brings me to Chris Rock. I bring Chris Rock up. I need to bring him up early. I didn't have him but to a story later on into the show. But I need to bring what Chris Rock said up early. He talked about this weekend, and he shocked people. Because I, I was actually shocked because I I didn't like Chris Rock during the Obama era. Because Chris Rock wasn't being his his his, his thinking self. Because Chris Rock is one of those comedians that's a thinker. But he was, I mean, I felt like he was on the Obama you know that song. Remember, my one of my favorite things is the Boondocks, and on the Boondocks, Aaron Magruder had this thing where people were when Obama was riding, and he had this celebrity son called Dick riding for Obama. <laughs> the Boondocks. Aaron Magruder is a genius, by the way. <laughs> oh, but it's, a, it's the most hilarious song. That's what I thought Chris Rock was doing. I, I said, he's Dick riding for Obama, okay? But he really said some things that were pretty Chris Rockish this week. Uh, and I was actually uh, surprised that he said them. And it's something that's uh, very uh, true, what he said. He said that Barack Obama's presidency marked progress for white people, not blacks. This is according to com, and this is good. I'm, I'm glad he said, he said, comedian and actor Chris Rock has said that the tenure of former U.S. President Barack Obama was a progress for white people and not the black population. Rock, while speaking to the New York Times while promoting his upcoming series, Fargo, opened up about racism in America. Obama becoming the president, it's progress for white people. It's not progress for black people, Brock said. You know, he said it's the Jackie Robinson thing. It's written like he broke barriers, as if there were black people that could play before him, Brock added. And that's how white people have learned about racism. They think when these people work hard enough, they'll be like Jackie. Rock said the real narrative should be that these people, the black people, are being abused by a group of people that are mentally handicapped, and we're really tr- we're trying to get them to pass their mental hand to get past their mental handicaps to see that all people are equal. He said the comedian reason that humanity isn't progress, but it should uh, reason that humanity isn't progress, but that it should be expected. It's only progress for the person that's taking your humanity. If a woman in an abusive relationship and her husband stops beating her, you wouldn't say she made progress, right? But that's what we do with black people. We're constantly told we're making progress, Rock said. The relationship we're in, the arranged marriage that we're in, it's that we're getting uh, beat less, okay? Rock also strongly criticized House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat of California, and other Democrats for prioritizing impeachment earlier this year and blamed them for letting coronavirus into America as they were more eager to oust President Trump. Rock compared Trump to a five-year-old. He said, did you ever see that movie, The Last Emperor, where like a five-year-old is the emperor of China, Rock explained? There's a kid and he's the king. So I'm like, it's all Democrats' fault. Because you knew the emperor was five years old, and when the emperor is five years old, they only lead in theory. 
there's usually an adult who's like, okay, this is what we're really going to do, and it was totally up to Pelosi and the Democrats. Their thing was, we're going to get him impeached, and which was never going to happen. You let the pandemic come in. Yes, we can blame Trump, but he's really the five-year-old, okay? But he also talked about how Democrats omit things and that, you know, omit their things, and uh, Republicans might straight up lie, okay? I think both lie, both, but he said it all ends up being a lie. Now, what I like about what Chris Rock said, he's close. I say he gets it kind of, right? Uh, uh, the five-year-old, the emperor, uh, yes, uh, uh, he's a Gemini. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I would even say, you know, I looked at Barack Obama's verse chart. He's a Gemini, too. You know, he's a Gemini moon. Uh, it's him and, you know, it's, it's interesting. So so, uh, so you've had two Geminis in the White House kind of a little bit, right? <laughs> Even though Barack is a Leo son, but he is a Gemini moon. So he his emotions, he processes emotions like a Gemini. And he's an Aquarius ascendant, so, uh, which he's very airy, very interesting. All right, so, um, but listen, I get what Chris Rock is saying, but I also think Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are children. I think you got a bunch of kids and clowns in the White House, okay, at the White House, who love putting on political theater for the masses because the masses they know are too dumb to really get what the fights are about, okay? Uh, and I also think that he was right on with Barack Obama being progress for white people because white people are finally, you know, saying, oh, you know, they're making progress by putting the black person in the line. You're making progress by your thoughts about racism, you know, or something like that. But still, Barack Obama, he was not just symbolically symbolically progress for them, but he was financially progress for them. That's where Chris Rock is missing. He got it almost. He's this close to getting it. Barack Obama was financially progress. Now, Chris Rock was talking about it's not progress for black people. It's progress for white people because they start saying, oh, like, we've got a black person of color in office. But it's not just about black people, Chris. Let me explain something. It's about the fight is, the, the their thing is about black America, specifically. And black America has not prog- progressed not even, not just in the times of Chris Rock. Chris Rock talking about we didn't need the progress. We're the people who are being abused. But we haven't progressed on an economic front. White, white households, I think, went to uh, making almost $50, million more, uh, $50 billion more in the households overall compared to blacks regressing back under Obama. We're looking at 2030 zero income. Barack Obama, black people, was a sham. But until you guys get it, I'm going to let y'all go out here and figure out whatever. He was a symbolic progress for white people. Chris Rock kind of gets it. Not all the way, but kind of gets it. The issues that black people need to address, I, I, I believe that it can, they, some of them can be answered. Most of them can be answered with reparations. Cut the check has uh, uh, has uh, a black authority. Cut the check, I, and I'm a, I agree totally agree with Yvette and Antonio on, on that on that part. 
that reparations until you begin to look at how you broke black people. Putting somebody like Barack Obama in office is not progress for us. Did nothing for us. <sighs> Moving on. California, y'all okay out there? Y'all done had wildfires. People were saying that on Twitter today and Instagram, they was waking up to their bed shaking. According to CNN, a plurary 4.5 magnitude earthquake jolted the Southern California area late Friday night, okay? Uh, they're saying it hit at 11.39 p.m. local time, two miles west of El Monte and 10 miles from Los Angeles, the U.S. Geological Survey reported. The earthquake shook buildings and rattled windows and was felt in San Diego, Valencia, and San Fernando Valley areas. There were no immediate reports of damage or injuries, and Los Angeles Fire Department warned residents to prepare for aftershocks. If inside, when shaking stops, uh, starts, Drop cover, hold on, protect your head and neck while taking cover under sturdy furniture or near sturdy interior wall, away from windows and doorways until shaking stops, the LAFD tweeted. The earthquake was also felt at the Los Angeles International Airport where crews were checking the airfield and terminals for any sign of damages, the airport tweeted, okay? Uh, Lucy Jones, a seismologist, with the California Institute of Technology said the earthquake pr produced a pretty good jolt in Pasadena, where she was. It's almost the same location as the M59 Witter Narrows earthquake in, 1970, in 1987, she tweeted. The earthquake hit on October 1st that year and caused $360 million in damage. Okay, you know, listen, I've, I've taken – one of the things I really love is geology, and I've taken like maybe three or four geology classes just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I really like geology, right? And uh, we often talked about earthquakes, and uh, particularly, you know, any part of the country can have earthquakes, but uh, some usually in the middle parts and in the down, like in south and stuff, they're usually caused by stuff like you know people uh, uh, fracking and stuff like that, or you know man-made cause. But in California, along the coast and stuff like that, and then you have a chance, you know, you got certain things all along in America, different parts where you can have earthquakes, even in middle America, but it just doesn't happen too often. But usually sometimes they're man-made. But it was so interesting how, and California is one of my favorite places in the world. I love California. I particularly have an affinity for northern California. I really like San Francisco and stuff like that. But listen, that's one of the scariest parts about California. California is so beautiful, but it literally uh, is like waiting on edge for the big one, you know. And that uh, there those fault lines around there, I mean, it's just a question of when. I mean, you know, it's a question of when. But, you know, you can't – I mean, I tell people it's such a beautiful place. If you're going to be in an earthquake – California, you know, it's beautiful. I mean, people who usually live in California, they 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 know it's coming. They just enjoying it. Like that's why I always say it's probably so relaxed in California. I, they live with the threat of mortality at all times, you know. But we all do, right? But we just don't recognize it. But California, those fault lines and stuff like that, it's just very interesting. The, I think the last huge huge earthquake was it the 1912 one, the San Francisco one. It was like really bad. 
So yeah, it's this is this is interesting, you know, because uh, it's been acting. You, they've been having a lot more earthquakes the last four to five years. I've been hearing a lot more uh, rumblings about earthquakes, which they're probably being very concerned about that right about now, okay? And then they're having the fires and all that stuff, too. Just crazy, okay? Crazy for the state of California. Y'all stay safe out there, okay? Wow. All right. Now, I saw an interesting, let's talk about this real quick, uh, U.S. billionaires, okay? Fortunes have skyrocketed $840 billion. $45 billion since March. Yes. Okay. Jeff Bezos. Bill Gates. Mark Zuckerberg. And the rest of America's billionaires saw their fortune skyrocket over the past six months during the coronavirus pandemic. While millions of Americans are now earning less than they were before the crisis began, according to a new study. This is according to CNN Business. Now, I'm a capitalist, Okay with a little bit of socialist ideas, okay? And I don't want to I don't want to impede on how much anybody makes. But I am a conspiracy theorist. And I do when I see these same guys, especially the guys who benefit off of you staying home, <laughs> tech guys, Amazon, <laughs> making quite the bit quite a bit of money, I I, it, it, and it goes, especially with Facebook up here, you know, censoring people. I start to think to censoring anybody who disagrees with coronavirus or disagrees with uh, uh, vaccinations or anything. I mean, Facebook has been out of control with censorship. And I wonder, is it because these guys have something to benefit from? It's so hard to tell whether they're sincere or they're not, you know, especially when you're making money from it. And when you have so much money that you can influence politicians, media, media conglomerates. That's why I tell people, media conglomerates, press, do you know the press can change your life in a matter of seconds? They can spend one lie on you and make the world believe it. It's just such, it's so horrible. It's such a horrible time in which we live in. You've got a lot of unchecked things, and you've got billionaires in some senses. To me, need regulation. I mean, what do they? You got Bill Gates influencing medicine now. While I understand that you can, he wants to give and wants to, um, in his mind, make things better. I do have to be concerned when you talk about population control and you have that much money. And you have influence. When you're tech guys and you can influence how the media goes, how things go, you, we have to be concerned about all of this. This shapes our everyday views and how we see shit. So I, I'm, I, I find this article interesting. It says the Institute for Policy Studies' latest billionaire's bonanza report on wealth inequality shows the 643 wealthiest Americans have ranked in a whopping $845 billion in combined assets between March 18th and September 15th, growing their combined wealth by 29%. The study shows that the, that the rapid rise wealth has increased the total net worth among the nation's top earners 
from $2.95 trillion to $3.8 trillion. The list of highest earners include Tesla CEO Elon Musk, Oracle CEO Larry Ellison, and former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg. The study is based on individuals' net worth data tracked by Forbes. Chuck Collins, director of the Institute for Policy Studies, Programs on Inequality, who co-authored the report, said he was somewhat shocked by the figures, adding that COVID crisis is supercharging America's existing inequalities. I would have thought maybe six months into this thing, into that, things would have shaken down, that everybody would take a hit, Collins told CNN Business. The differences start between the profits for billionaires and the widespread economic misery in our nation. It sort of dramatizes the unequal sacrifice and profiteering element of wealth accumulation at the top. Collins also noted that the COVID economy stark opposite effects on the average American worker. The pandemic ushered in the worst unemployment crisis since the Great Depression, with the unemployment rate hitting 14.7% in April before rebounding to 8.4% in August. The country is still down 11.5 million jobs since February, okay? Listen, these guys are making tons of money, and they have influence. And the problem is the difference between them, you know, I, I, I talk about this all the time, how I saw, you know, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, and I, and I, I talked about how I watched this thing on, I think it was Trio Channel, when they had the Trio Channel. And they talked about... Um, on Trio, it talks about uh, uh, they had a special with Alex Jones, okay? And don't let Alex Jones let that turn you off, okay, about the story. But Alex Jones was trying to prove there was a Bohemian Grove, Bohemian Grove or whatever, and he went to bust them out or whatever. So he finally gets to talk to a member. These are so some one of the elite groups of the, that people feel like run the world, okay? And so when he finally gets to talk to one of the members, he says, you guys are crazy. You guys run the world. You, What are you guys doing? And this man says a very interesting thing. He says, no man can run the world. He said, we're just great opportunists. And I was like, oh, shit. That's some knowledge for your ass, right? You can be a great opportunist and almost run the world. What I'm saying is these guys have knowledge of systems and how they work and how they behave. The average American person does not. You listen to CNN where they have influence, ESPN, Fox, and all these places. It's not hardly any news channels and things that are not, that you know, that are solid or giving you unbiased news, okay? So you are hearing, you, you don't have the knowledge that these guys do, that they can see what's coming. Like Bill Gates talking about five, a few years ago, he saw the pandemic coming. You don't see these guys put their money in situations. They start preparing ahead of fucking time, and they be already ready to make money off your ass. And it helps, you know, when they see the shit coming. I mean, they might push it a little bit more. I don't know. This is my conspiracy theory. And you end up paying the price. Because why? Because we're not an informed group in America. We want shit to be easy, so we don't want to stay informed. And because you don't stay informed, these opportunists come along and make money off of your ass. 
while you're while you're enjoying the political theater and fighting Republican and Democrats fights, they're behind the scenes pulling the puppet strings on the people you're fighting about. Shit, they like you know what? Ain't no Republican and Democrat to Jeff Bezos. Ain't no Republican and Democrat to Mark Zuckerberg. There is none. Think about that shit. Now somebody said, well, they're more liberal. Uh, They're wherever the wind blows, okay, wherever they see. They're not even loyal to America. Oh, oh, what? No, they're globalists. They're They're not loyal to America or American brands. You have, they have other, it's a, they're globalist. So if bringing America down means more money for them, oh, damn, that's fucked Well, we can take our money anywhere in the world and fucking rule. And we have platforms that empower us even more. I'm mad at these dudes because they doing they the, they the op, they great opportunists. Who I'm upset with is the American public for staying keeping a blind eye and not paying attention and letting these politicians uh, snow you. You're arguing on one side for Republicans, you're arguing for Democrats, and the the funny part of it all is the rulers behind them. I remember I used to say years ago. I used to say, say if you want to ask if you got problems with Barack Obama, you need to send the pro- you need to send uh, your problems to Sack, Goldman Sachs because they had a lot of influence over the Obama administration. People like Wall Street had a lot of influence over there. I remember I heard somebody say about politicians that it would be nice if when they get on stage, instead of wearing suits, they wore things like racers did. Racers, you know how racers wear those jackets and they have all their sponsors over them. It'd be great if we knew who their sponsors were when they get on stage. Like if your sponsor's Google or Apple, or <laughs> we can know who we can take, carry the problems to. Because the funny thing is the business bureaucracy and tech bureaucracies have grown more and more powerful and having more control over our everyday lives and Americans are caught in the in the dust of Democrats and Republicans when these guys don't even give a shit about either one. And it's always been like that through American politics since the times back of uh, Carnegie and, and those guys back at What's the other guy, uh, the, the Chase guy, uh, J.C., what, I forget the other person's name. All of them back there, they were manipulating stock, uh, stock markets allegedly and stuff back in those days. Oh, my goodness. American people still don't get it. Remember Michael Jackson said, you're a vegetable, they eat off of you? It is what it is. So they getting rich, and y'all believe they shut down. Now a lot of y'all, some people got soup lines going and everything else, and they asses bottle. <sighs> Such is life. When I get back, y'all, oh, we got to talk about Naomi Campbell out here getting sued by her sugar daddy. We got to talk about this NFL, the NFL in these streets, okay? NFL. 
uh, 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 NFL, well, not the NFL, the United Airlines, okay, sued for packing NFL charters with young blonde crew. Yes, I said what I said. Y'all know. Is this surprising? No, it's not, okay? We're going to talk about that. Uh, we gonna, Hopefully we get to Kylie and her cosmetic tr- uh, company. Then we got to talk about Alicia Keys' album, Child, the Hot Mess, okay? I'm going to talk about it when I get back. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry if you're Alicia Keys' friend out here in these streets. I'm sorry. Or if you're a fan. I'm sorry. But I'm getting ready to say. And then we'll go into Cardi B and Offset, okay? But Child... I got some things I want to say, but first we got to hear some music before we go <laughs> go into that. So let's listen to, I love this one by PJ Martin, Only One. It's the CC Show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. I'm pretty sure I don't need anything else. This is the best feeling I've ever felt.
listening to the Carlotta Chadwick Show right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. All right, you guys. I am back on the CC Show. My sound's a little different, but that's okay. We're going to roll with it. All right, so we are back, and we are talking um, hot topics today, and we are I, first of all, you know what, I, before I get into that NFL story, let's just go with this Alicia Keys, talk about her album, okay? Because y'all know I've been wanting to talk since Friday. I've been like, you know what? <laughs> Man, I don't even know what to say. It was so funny because I logged into, I mean, I logged into Twitter the other day, and one of my favorite people to uh, watch on Twitter and read their tweets and stuff, especially about music, is Call Me Dollar, right? And he said, what is this, Alicia? <laughs> and that's how the hell I felt. I was like, what the hell is this? And I thought it was because the first time that I heard it, I thought I was late at night. Maybe I didn't give it a fair assessment and shit. You know, I was like, okay, you know, I ain't giving a fair assessment. Let me let me wait till the next day. Worked out the next day. Listen to it. Listen to it today. Y'all know I've been on Alicia Keys the last several months. I don't know what's going on. You know, here's the thing. Some people do better when they home. You know, like uh, Songs in A Minor and what's the other one uh, with the woman's work? What was the first one? Songs in A Minor was the first one. Then what was the second one? I forget the second album. The Element of, that's like the third or fourth, The Element of Freedom. And then what was the, I forget the, that one in between. Uh, what was that other one? I forget that other one. But, you know, four albums, maybe she was at a hungry space. I have, you know, now she's married and she got these kids. She got Swiss over there, you know, and I don't know. Um, you can buy other shit. I mean, music don't got to be your first love no more. This was an album full of almost. I keep trying to figure out what's wrong. I'm like, did Beyonce put a spell on her or some shit when she did that song? What's that song, love? Put in a love song? <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, have we outgrown Alicia? Are we just nostalgic about Alicia? Uh, I, Diary. Diary was that other one. Um, I had to go back because that's what I did. I do. I go back when I can't figure the shit out. I go back and listen to old shit, and I and I think I may. I, I think I I figured it out a couple of months ago, and I told y'all where the where's Carrie? Carrie? Where's Carrie? Can somebody call Carrie on the phone because she really needs Carrie to come in there with her. Uh, I'm gonna read just a little bit of this article from NPR before I go into my thoughts about Alicia's album. Okay, it says Alicia wants you to know you're doing great. This is from NPR. Of course she does. <sighs> How do you make pop music that means anything in the middle of a pandemic and civil unrest? Oh, that's the problem. She's trying to make it mean. She's trying to Aquarian up the album. She's been doing that a lot. How do you deliver that music to your fans that they can come to see you when you can't sing to them in person? Uh, how do you deliver that uh, music to your fans that they can't come to see you when you can't sing to them in person? 
At the moment, Alicia Keys is an expert on the topic. Keys has a new album out today, her seventh in a story career, simply titled Alicia. This is from NPR.com. It says, in the middle of a jam-packed day promoting her new music, so much that her side of the conversation had to be recorded while riding in a moving car. She spoke with NPR's Adi Cornish about singing to the particular to this particular moment. Hear this conversation at the audio link, I mean, case, so you can hear the our conversation. But she said, I've heard you describe this album as one of your most truthful, most authentic music. I think for people who already describe your music that way, I think for people who already describe your music that way, what, who, why do you think this one is? Alicia, I just feel like I've gotten to know myself much better than I ever did before. We all have many sides to us. And I think in a lot of ways, we get used to only showing a particular side or one version. And I've been really personally interested in even going deep and going even deeper than that and getting to know the parts that I'm not comfortable connecting with as readily as the parts that I am. Okay. Uh, she says there's something on the album that speaks to this idea that you're talking about. She said, one of the ones I think I'm thinking for now that's a favorite for me is called Arthur's of Forever. What I really love about this song is it goes to talk about how we're builders and we're breakers and we're givers and we're takers. I think that one point in my life I was like, well, why do there do they have to be any takers? Why can't they just be builders? Why does it have to be any breakers? Why can't they just be givers? And I realized that you have to have all these sides. You can't have one without the other. Okay, if you want to read the rest of this article from Alicia Keys, it's on NPR.com, and I see what's going on. Okay. You know, I talked about the importance of Whitney Houston, tied to Whitney Houston. I talked about the importance of uh, I'm going to say it, faith to Tony Braxton. Uh, sometimes artists like Alicia Keys need somebody to come along and to help guide them in who how who they are. They think a lot of times, like Whitney, Whitney felt prisoned by Clive's vision of her. Okay, he I really believe that. This is my personal opinion that Whitney, from watching countless interviews from her, she felt she was just this little homegirl from New Jersey. You know, hood girl. You know, my mama happened to be a big singer, you know, in gospel and a background singer in, in the music business. Well, you know, I'm 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 I I'm this little hood girl from Jersey and that was who she was. But Cry saw this beautiful uh bigger than life pop star. And Whitney could never get comfortable with it. She couldn't meet the moment, couldn't meet herself. She couldn't adjust herself to be what Clive's image of her. But Clive's image of her sold for her. It sold millions of records. It sold, it was, it was, it, it was, it was part of, and sometimes, you know, that doesn't mean you can't bring parts of yourself. He just helped to mold, from my opinion and my opinion, the vision of her, right? I think that's a little bit what Carrie was to Alicia Keys. I that Alicia Keys is a bit of an idealist and that 
left to her own uh, demise, we get a lot of, you know, her confused thoughts on wax. And <laughs> no shit, no shit, no shit, no shit. Okay? And she's a philanthropist at heart. She's a giver. She's a sweet girl, okay? And, you know, this album, I felt, was a lot of almost songs, almost good songs that could never fulfill itself. There are only two songs on this album I think I really kind of liked. And I got to be honest, kind of. And that's Wasted Energy and uh, what's the other one? It's, uh, it's a, uh, what's the one with Khalid, Khalid, the Khalid boy? Uh, I forget the name of Talent Boy, whatever his name is. I forget the name of that damn song. What's the name of that song? I don't know. But she has some almost songs, okay? Like Promise, uh, Love Looks Better was almost uh, Time Machine. The beat was nice, but the words, I mean, Alisa just sound off on all the music. She had a lot of features trying to help her and shit. The Snow Allegra, Snow Allegra sound better on the song than she did. Uh, it, 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 uh, this is a disaster. I can't lie. Three Hour Drive was almost there, and it just fell out. And I went back to listen to Diary and all of them because I can't, I just like, what the fuck happened? I listened to Element of Freedom, and she seemed like she worked so perfectly. But then I realized something. There was two things. There was Carrie there, and there she borrowed a lot from old school. A lot of old school sounds to Alicia. Lots of, lots of old school. I think we're partly seeing that there was a nostalgia about Alicia Keys when she came out. And that she she was a throwback to something. She had the beads like Patrice Russian. You know what I'm saying? She had her hair. She, she was playing piano like Patrice. Throwback a little bit with her. And she was doing something different. She was doing old soul music in the middle of, uh, um, you know, uh, the, when old soul, when the when it was when it was kind of like she she's kind of like a re reassurgence of neo soul. Can I say, is that a good way to say it? I don't know. But she was kind of nostalgia for us. And then I think, has whatever happened between her and Carrie, whether it was a breakup or whatever, and how she goes and evolves, uh, we begin to get a picture of Alicia Keys without Carrie. And Carrie, whatever that vision that he brought to that partnership, go. And that's what we're dealing with. I really, I can't explain it no other damn way. Now, Alicia says she's finding herself because she got all different damn styles, but she's trying to put it in a song, in these damn songs, and she's all over the fucking place. Like, she is in her mind right now. You know, she's all over. And sometimes artists need that. Damn it. Damn it. Sometimes you need somebody else. Shit. Okay? I've got to tell the truth out of this dream, okay? I'm about to go hard now. I'm just going to make me go get mad at some other people, too. I was I was happy when I listened to I don't know if it's gonna ever happen but when I was listening to I'm gonna even say something about my face Maxwell when I was listening to Maxwell had an interview on uh, uh, with uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis on uh, 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 no not Jimmy Jam I mean not Terry Lewis but Jimmy Jam he's just a Jam Jimmy Jam does his own radio show Maxwell was on it and 
Maxwell was saying that he, Jimmy Jim and him was talking about they were going to work together at some point. I was like, please, please. No offense, and let me just say this to watch, okay, because a lot of people, okay, Maxwell's getting some criticism, too, for the last album. You know, people like, I like the first. I like the both of the albums from the trilogy, okay, because the second one grew on me, okay? But the people criticized the, the second one of the trilogy for Maxwell. People, a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people, some are serious, and, and artists will say, that's gross. I'm just growing. They didn't like Embrya. They'll say all this stuff, okay? But I actually sometimes think that, like, when he first came out, a lot of times people compare that Urban Hang Suite. You know, people will be like, damn, you know, Urban Hang Suite was so dope, okay? I think Maxwell, they brought in a lot of people kind of to outside people to kind of help a little bit. Was it was one or was it Leon? Didn't they bring in Leon? The Leon got to get his last name. But when he had wrote a number of hits, he helped Maxwell with something, something, you know, kind of to help shape Maxwell a little bit. Because Maxwell is one of those dudes, he's like Alicia. He's an Aquarius moon. They can go all over the fucking place. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because they got a lot of thoughts and they put them on paper. Great songwriters, great musicians, great vocalists. Now, I won't say that for Alicia. I mean, okay vocalists on Alicia. Alicia's more, to me, piano playing and all that stuff and songwriting. But Maxwell's got, he's, he's all three great. But sometimes, to me, he needs a stabilizer. He needs some. And while I like him and Hyde, I feel like maybe Hyde might be that for him. I don't know. But sometimes you do need to go to outside people and just let them get a hold of you. Here's the thing. Clive was very much at the beginning with Alicia Keys, too. I think Clive kind of helped guide that, too. Uh, Clive's old now. He's older. He ain't got time. He ain't doing that, what he was doing back in the day no more. It's just like Michael Jackson needed Quincy. Michael Jackson understood he needed Quincy Jones. Shit. I think Michael understood. And it's so great. One of the things I love, I listen to Quincy's interviews a lot. So I think Quincy's a genius and his thoughts and everything and music and stuff and and Quincy always was talking about when Michael writes songs. Like, Quincy's so forward. Like, you know, like, you know, you can tell when Mike writing songs because they different. They be out there trying to or whatever. But he talked about how bringing Rod Temperton in to um, to write some songs for Michael, to bring in, to, you know, because Rod Temperton in some ways got, got Michael a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And got, had great songs that fit Michael, like Off the Wall, the Rod Temperton, Rod, Rod Temperton, did Rod Temperton, he wrote Off the Wall, he wrote uh, Thriller, he wrote, he wrote Thriller, I think, he wrote, uh, even though you kind of think Michael wrote Thriller, but he wrote, uh, Rod wrote a lot for Michael, but he, but Quincy was very great in bringing in great songwriters for Michael from time to time, because, you know, that understood Michael, that saw where Michael was going to go. Uh, like, you know, he was very, it's hard, you know, Michael's a Virgo, so Ma- Michael's very analytical about things. Michael could take that checking a little bit, too. Michael could, Michael knew how important, because Michael wanted the vision of his records to be perfected. Michael was giving you a full show. He just wasn't just an artist. Michael understood the business side of it. That's why I love Michael Jackson so much as an overall performer, because Michael saw every side. Sometimes, I mean, really, he saw every, like, how important it was to perform great, 
but also how important it was to uh to 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 that he was he was giving a show, he was in show business. Sometimes it went a little too far, but he understood all the elements of show business and how he presented himself. Uh and Michael was very artistic. I mean very artsy as well as very business minded and everything. He understood that he wasn't just an artist entering show business. You're not just an artist entering show business. Like I said, if you think you're just that, then you need to sing for donuts at your local donut shop. This is a business. It's the music business. Important, you know, that you pre- you're presenting yourself in a great way. And so, one of, I mean, in a certain type of way, and one of the things, Quincy got that about Michael. Quincy got producers, writers and stuff to help Michael help shape the voice of Michael when sometimes he was lost. So off the wall, you get such great, when you get Quincy and Michael together, you get such great uh, uh, collaboration. And I think Dark Child understood that too. And uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, uh, Petty Rally with Michael. Uh, great, great productions with Michael, you know, uh, in continuation with Quincy. But the greatest ones were with Quincy Jones because Quincy understood Michael's voice and sound and what Michael needed to get a hit to the radio. This is what I, I think is going on with Alicia Keys. You need to get a hit to the radio. I mean, you, I, 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 I don't want to keep hearing your artsy shit. Thank you. I'm so, I'm glad you're evolving and shit. I'm glad. I'm glad your life is changing. But you need a fucking hit. Same thing I'm going to say with Maxwell, next album, Maxwell, they let you slide because they love you, Maxwell. But Maxwell, you need a fast one. You need something. I know you You got lake by the ocean. You got by. But Maxwell needs the same thing. You need people to come in when because they're so deep that sometimes they can be a little out there. And so the business side of it has to say, you know what, you know, because they're Gemini's and Aquarius's, okay? So they and they lost and they thought. they like, shit, everything got to be art. That's what Prince's fucking problem was. No, Prince, we need a hit. <laughs> Even though he was able to get away with that shit for you. <laughs> but, you know, here, all I'm saying is that to record, I, that's why I thought Michael Jackson was as big as he was, one of the reasons. That's why Beyonce is partly, partly as big as she was. When Beyonce goes wrong is when she tries to be, she gets in her Scorpio moon, I think. But she, Beyonce understands when she gets away from the business side, trying to go into everybody's lane and stuff, and she's trying to prove she's something. But Beyonce really works great in just being a performer. She's a great performer, and she needs to have fast. She she needs to have a certain, but she needs to have those braggadocious songs. She needs to have a, a certain thing, a voice to her. She needs to pump out some hits. Get these shit, and we paying you ninety million dollars, and the audience don't get your shit for twenty years down the line. That's great. I'll let you do those one of those every now and then. But we need to make some money. I know that's what Sony be screaming. You got to make some money. Where the money? Show me the check. We need some money. We need a hit. <laughs> and you know, some artists think it's so funny because some artists think you know, like. I don't just try to make hits. I try to make something that you love and something that you this and that and this and that. And I get that. I, I totally agree. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying to, but you need to get with people who can get your sound so that you can produce a great album. 
the problem is a lot of times they get so artsy and stuck into themselves that they they start getting lost and spiraling. And this is Alicia Keys right now. She's fucking spiraling because she's lost in Aquarius land. She's, I mean, she's she she needs somebody to come in and give her the vision of herself. Help to put that vision together for her and say, here, here's a great plan with some great music. Let's work on it together. Problem is, is somebody has left her to her own demise, and we're getting this bullshit like underdogs, and it's not people standing on the bus stop on. <laughs> and finding myself shit, and I'm, I'm lost in shit. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just saying what it is, okay? I mean, we, we, when we, everybody sit out here listening to us, going, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, what, wait a minute here. Like, what's going on? You're all over the place. But to you, you probably think you present you presented a deep album. It was it's an album of almost, and I'm going to give it a solid D because there were some almost great songs on there. The song with Khalid is the hit out of off of it. Uh, they'll push other songs as much as they can. Uh, you know. I'm for artists evolving. I want you to evolve. I understand that. I love music. I understand artists evolving, but I also understand the need to connect to the audience. And that when you're out of sync, you're producing great shit, and it's a lot of bullshit. It's like, what the who? What the shit? What is this, Alicia? <laughs> that fucking time machine something I, it was it was almost there. The beat started. I was like, "Oh, can we get something? Can we get something." Then it just went south. And it almost sounds like her music doesn't match her voice. Like I don't know, it's like that. I don't know what scary was that for her, but that music that she was singing then back then four first four or five albums, her voice is such an unusual voice, and that sometimes Alicia can almost sound like. You know, you can almost think she can't sing a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because some people got that kind of voice. She can sing, but sometimes her voice gets a little off because she needs songs that she has such a unique sound. She needs stuff that goes with her her voice. That That's why it's, it's so hard to sing an Alicia Keys song because they're so, especially the early ones, because they're so unique to her. She needs help. I feel like she's been left to her own demise. I don't know if that's what's happening, but I feel like she's been left to put an album together. And it's like, oh, shit. You know, I mean, you know, sometimes it's okay to need the great producers to come in and say, hey, can we help you? You know what I'm saying? I, I'm serious. I mean, I feel like I hope that's I, – I, I feel like Maxwell's going to get a pass on night because Maxwell always gets a pass. People love Maxwell. But I really feel like Maxwell needs that addition, uh, uh, additional people to come in besides him and besides the characters he's been working with. I, I just personally, I, w- I would like to see what Maxwell produces with uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis or, 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 or somebody like this, or these other great producers, or even somebody, you know who, listen, even though they're overused, but I really like him as a producer. 
And I would really be wondering, like, what they could do with Max. He needs to go odd for a minute. Like, I need him to, like, I need him to jump on a popular joint. Not a weird, not a Beyonce joint. Not like that. I need him to get something that says, bam. Like, y'all think I'm so deep? Okay, I'm going to give you something that's hot, deep, and, you know, and fire that they can dance to in a club, okay? Because to me, Urban Hangsuite was a little bit of that. You know, Urban Hangsuite was, like, uh, that fun shit, too. Like, he was a... But then he got deep, and then Lifetime was dope. I mean, now what's the now album? Now album's dope. Now you can't deny that shit. And then the first, uh, that that first trilogy, that shit, it was dope. It was totally did the first one in the trilogy. Shit was fire. Okay. Uh, second one grows on me. Okay. I, I still feel like though, I can feel like like it's too like you, you losing yourself. And that's why I feel like he's going on with Alicia Keys. I feel Alicia Keys has been left to her own demise as an artist, and they and that the person who kind of helped to have been with her for a long time, that kind of helped to shape that sound with her, and where we get great songs like Unbreakable, You Don't Know My Name, uh, Some of Y'all Think Fallen, uh, what's the other song? It's a lot of hits she had, uh, Teenage Love Affair. Uh, where we get all those great songs, uh, uh, what's that, Broken Heart, Sleeping with a Broken Heart, where we get those that great Alicia Keys because he understood something about Alicia that she didn't understand about herself. And maybe she needs to sit down with Carrie and find out what the fuck that is before she makes the next album. yourself you know for real you know like I had a, a person say a friend to me said to me the other day sometimes I don't see it you know I I, I, I like I've been like I do take pictures of myself do a lot of selfies sometimes because I'm trying to see you know what other people see sometimes of myself and trying to see myself and my friend says to me what the other you know you are very you can be very like have seducing qualities and I said like, really I just feel like I'm a I'm a cornball She's like, no, like you can be really like sexy. I was like, really? Like that got a trick, you know, just trick me out that she sees me as that. You know, I'm like, wow. Like I don't feel that way sometimes. I'm trying to see it. <laughs> so it's because some people can see something in you sometimes that you can't see of yourself, and that's how sometimes great artists are made. I mean, I feel like great Beyonce's dad got it. I think if you if you want to find out the making of Beyonce, you cannot fucking go to Live Nation right now. They're fucking up all over the place. They're giving us Black is King. Uh, they're giving us, what's the, the, the gift? And uh, I mean, they've had some fuck up, major fuck up. But who got it was Matthew Knowles. Listen to Matthew talk about Beyonce. Matthew understood what was going to make Beyonce tick. Who got Diana Ross was Barry Gordy. Shit. Barry Gordy filed that shit. Who got Janet Jackson was Jimmy Jam and Terry Moose? I mean, Janet was making some okay albums until Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis came along and said, like, you wrong and shit. Like, let's make a grown-up album. You, oh, you have a parents with problems with your parents? You don't like that shit. Oh, you have problems with your boyfriend? What? What? They come back, they have a song for it. So here you go. I mean, she, and they tell her how to write. They were it. They got her. Got her ass. 
And they set the blueprint for Demita Joe, which is my fa- one of my favorite albums. And they didn't produce that a lot. Demita Joe was dope. And a couple of other albums after that, he has some dope songs on there too. But Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis set the blueprint for Janet's voice. And Janet had great producers before that. I think Renee and Angela did Angela Angela did some of that stuff on that first very first Janet Jackson album. And at that time they was hot songwriters. With Asher and Simpson, I think was hot songwriters back in back in those days. But it wasn't until Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis came along and just fucking got it. Sherelle. Same thing with Sherelle. Sherelle did, Sherelle did okay without Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, but she never was the same without their asses. It's because they got her. Tony Braxton. She's Tony Braxton's great artist. Tony Braxton has continued to make some hits and stuff, but her and Babyface, Babyface gets that shit. Babyface gets who the fuck Tony Braxton is. He sees what Tony Braxton can be. L.A. saw Tony Braxton. They saw her ass, okay? They said, listen here, this is what we're going to make. You ain't just a church girl. Oh, no, you sexy, honey. <laughs> and we about to write you some songs that shows it. Okay, so, I, I, you know, sometimes you need other people in the building. And I know she got other people helping her write them songs, but they don't get her. Are they not? And Carrie, I know that she wasn't on a lot of them songs, but he got, even if he was the filter that just said, uh uh-uh, uh, came in there and said, that ain't it, and walked out. Because he got her. Whoever it is got Alicia Keys back in the day. They got her ass. They don't, somebody ain't got her now. Somebody's lost in the sauce right now. She's lost in the sauce. She's all over the fucking place. He's got all a bunch of almost hits on this album that could have been much better. We need her to regain her voice of somebody who got who saw in her what she didn't see in herself. Stay on Alicia for right now because I don't want folks out here getting mad at me and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I tell people go back. Matthew knows had Beyonce shit in check. After B Day, it gets more popular. She gets more popular. Okay, she trans she, but she she she's not as great as when she was under her daddy because he just got it. He just got what she was. He understood it. Now she would say he limited her. I say no, he got you. Because since then you've been able to make a like some hits, a bunch of hits, but they haven't been the same. It's not as intimate as B Day, that Crazy in Love album was, the Destiny Child's album. You got more popular, but less traction. I mean, the songs get played because you Beyonce, and they try to push and push and push them, but never not quite what it was with Matthew. Matthew saw the vision of his daughter and got that shit. And he still gets it. Same thing, again, uh, everybody has sometimes that person. Okay, so I just feel like somebody needs to bring back in. I feel like that's scary. Carrie was that person for Alicia Keys' ass, and somebody needs to call Carrie up on the phone the next time an album is made and let let Carrie hear the song so Carrie can say, "I no, don't do that." Oh, that that's uh-uh. or whatever he was doing back in the day. I don't know shit.
And then sometimes you can be with somebody too long. That's why I did like when Janet took the break and did Demita Joe, and she worked with some other producers. Demita Joe was dope. I don't care what nobody says. Demita Joe was fire. Because Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis had given the blueprint. I mean, so, you know, if you can't, but if you use off the blueprint, you don't, you don't jack up. Cardi B out here in these streets, divorcing outfit. Girl, your ass should have been done done that. <laughs> Cardi B opens up about outfit divorce. Sometimes people really do grow apart. Whatever, Cardi. According to Billboard.com, Cardi B is squashing the rumors about her divorce from Offset. The WAP rapper hopped on Instagram Live on Friday to thank her fans for all the loves and prayers they've been sending her. However, I I don't really need it. I'm okay, she added. I wanted to let y'all know I have not shed one tear. Damn. Every single time that this guy has been so crazy, so fucked up, so fucked up, and, and it hits the media, I'm always crying, always sad, because I don't like that type of shit, Cardi continues. This time I wasn't crying. You want to know why? The reason for my divorce is not because of none of that shit that ever happened before. It's not because of cheating. I'm seeing people be like, oh, he has a baby on the way. That's a whole fucking complete lie, okay? Now, Tasha K allegedly, when I saw her the other night, she was saying something different. Y'all got to go over to Tasha K and listen to that cheat, okay? Uh, But it says that's the second time people are trying to pin babies over here. No, that's bullshit. I just got tired of fucking arguing, she admitted. I got tired of not seeing things eye to eye. When you feel like uh, same anymore before you actually get cheated on, I'd rather just leave. Okay, can I speak Libra? <laughs> can I speak Libra? Libra-esque? What is that? When they the Libra-esque? Cardi, have you found another man? <laughs> oh, Cardi. Oh, because oh, I know that's what the bloggers say. I think even Tasha K said that. Alleged Cardi, have you found enough? Listen, listen, that's Libra talk. Libra, when Libra, Libra find somebody else, they start talking big shit. <laughs> and girl, girl, hey, I ain't mad at you. Mm-mm. Girl, you should have been and got rid of Offset. I thought I wouldn't even took his ass back for that apology to him. He would have got cussed out coming out on my stage in the middle of a, a set talking, talking about how he loves somebody, talking about trying to get back after cheating. Okay. Sometimes believers wake up and realize, I'm the shit. Because, <laughs> you know, they think they're the shit anyway. So they wake up. I'm the shit, and there's no way I have to be in this shit. And they start planning their exit. <laughs> Somebody catches their eye. Oh. You know, Libras are good for transferring out of one relationship and going straight to another. All my Libra girlfriends do it. <laughs> you know what? I got that stellium in Libra, okay? I have done it <laughs> when I was single. <laughs> oh, I always tell people, if you want to know the perfect, like, I, I remember I heard an astrologer say this one time. And they say, uh, they talk about the perfect idea of a person like whose love language is in Libra, which is totally different. I don't know what Cardi's Venus is in or her Mars. But when you're, you're, you're in astrology, 
Like, I'm a Venus in Libra. And so they always say the perfect picture of a Venus in Libra is to watch Runaway Bride. And I laugh all the time because <laughs> I'm like, wow. And in the in the movie, she carries a bag that says that has the Libra scales on it. It has Libra on it, right? And she said people say she's the perfect picture of, of, of Venus and Libra because Venus and Libras are always falling in love with love. They connect to their lovers in ways because Libra's at home in Venus. You know, Venus is the Libra is the sign. Venus is the planet of love, and Libra is the sign of love. Libra is about balance. Okay, so Libras want to get there to know their lovers intimately or uh, at a balance. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes they take on lovers' energy and stuff like that. Okay, so and so I have to watch that. You know, when I think I have to watch that a lot. You know, taking on and even in my marriage, I have to watch taking on people's energy because I'll 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 you know, bring myself to you because I'm constantly trying to balance my scales because I'm a Stellium Libra. You know, I have I have a whole lot. Libra runs my chart a lot. So I have to, uh, you know, I have to watch sometimes getting unbalanced by being too much of something for somebody. And so I, when I look at Cardi B, has a Libra son, and, you know, I have to look at her whole chart, but I could see those Libra-esque qualities that she was doing and I could see that uh Libras often sometimes will find somebody else before they go <laughs> that's why you gotta you can't play with Libras Libras is real sweet and kind and all that stuff they be most of them not all of them but they cause sometimes they can be some shit starters and be crazy and shit but but those are the unbalanced ones. But when they really balance, they sweet in time. But they will, they remember they other end is the opposite, is Aries. Very fiery and shit, okay? So that's what Cardi, I think Cardi's the Aries. Is Cardi like an Aries? I think I was listening. If you guys listen to the astrology lady, y'all know who she was a guest on here, Apollonia Grace Smith. She got one right out now about Cardi B and Austin. I listened to some of it the other night. I'm going to finish it up today. But it's really good on YouTube. Go to YouTube, the Astrology Lady. Under the Astrology Lady, you can see she's doing uh, Offset and Cardi's birth chart. And I think she said uh, Cardi is like an Aries moon or something, which is interesting because Libra is the, the opposite end of Libra is Aries. And, and Libras want balance because they don't want to be like, they don't want to get, they don't want to bring out Aries on your ass, okay? <laughs> so, so. So in, in some senses, you know, Libras will sometimes, you know, take a lot and then fuck shit. They wake up and be like, you know what, fuck this. And they'll start looking. <laughs> and that's what it sounds like Cardi's out here done did. Cardi's talking big shit. And she was smart about it. Cardi B, you were very smart about this shit because, listen, you got out with one baby. Beautiful little baby, okay? And you got out in time. I mean, maybe you can level up. Don't level down. Level up. It sounds like she already has. But she's saying, I just got tired of it. I wasn't crying at all. She's out here in these streets. She done, probably, she done put that waffle on somebody else. Lord have mercy. Now, learn how to cook and clean, because that's part of the song I didn't like. I don't cook. I don't clean, but let me tell you, I guess this thing. I'm like, bitch, what the hell it takes? You got to cook and clean. Like, I'm not totally domestic, but I can cook. Yeah. I do know how to clean. Even though I'm the messy of one. <sighs> Man, 
Campbell. Did we talk about this the other week? Because I'm not sure if we did. Sued by ex, by billionaire ex in multi-million dollar lawsuit. This is according to Metro.co.uk. It says, supermodel began dating the Russian billionaire in 2008, and they were together for five years until they split in 2013. Remember, he was, when he married? When they, <laughs> when he married? <laughs> Damn, that's the kind of shit you can do when you're a billionaire. Have a wife and a girlfriend. Shit. Uh, now, uh, Dorian has filed a lawsuit alleging that Campbell is refusing to pay back a loan he gave her as well as hold on to belongings of his worth $3 million, okay? That's worth $3 million. Uh, Dorian, 57, does not specify the worth of the alleged loan in the legal documents obtained by TMZ. During the relationship, the property magnet was known for showering Campbell 50 with lavish gifts, including a $26,000 Zach Polson dress at a charity auction and and uh, a spell at the $10,000 a night uh, presidential suite at Moscow's Ritz Carlton. He also treated his girlfriend to yacht trips and holidays to his home in Cleopatra Island in Turkey. So bought her a house or something at one time, okay? But Dorian made his money in real estate and is now the founder of Capital Group C- CEP, OKO Group, and the owner and chairman of Amman Resort. The father of four is also a king art collector, has billionaires are one to do. Naomi, who met the mogul at Cannes Film Festival in 2008, was rumored to have been engaged. But now, I heard he was already married. I'm confused. Or was that his ex-wife? I don't know. But listen, he's asking for his money. This is when sugar daddy shit go wrong, okay? Now, hopefully, Naomi got, uh, you got proof that these things were gifts and shit like that. You know, you got proof that because you set up a thing. But, you know, he's a white man. They, they, they be getting their money back and shit. You know, so, like, like when dudes are lavishing gifts and shit and tricking, make sure you getting, you making sure that shit's yours and they can't take it back. Seriously, I'm serious. I'd be like, you know what? Especially if it's expensive gifts, I'd be like, you need to sign this shit over to me. I'm, I'm, listen. That's when I get my, that's when my Capricorn North Node is kicking in. I'd be like, shit, I'm about that life. <laughs> you gonna give me? If you gonna give me a Benz, I need to make sure that shit's mine. That needs to be in my name. That title needs to be in my damn name. Okay. You give me a house. This need to be. In, if you want to, you can be the top builder, but it need. I need to at least be a co-person. You ain't gonna just come kick me out. Whenever I want to, whenever you want the fuck to, that's not happening. <laughs> you ain't gonna get me used to living to this great life and then try to kick me out right away. Shit, you gotta give me time. Now Naomi has been rumored to be some some wild shit. <laughs> now let's talk about Naomi Kelly. She's been linked to Epstein and them. I know, but did y'all ever read that blind item on Crazy Days and Nights? Maxwell, I'm just messing with Maxwell's ass today. <laughs> You ever read uh, uh, Crazy Days and Nights? Because I used to love Crazy Days and Nights uh, blog. It's it's really it's funny. It's one that he used to he used to spill tea on everybody. And over at Crazy Days and Nights, I'm eating ice and talking to y'all, drinking or something. Ignore me. But over in Crazy Days and Nights, they said that allegedly. <laughs> Maxwell and Naomi was out on a date or something, and they was on, I guess they was on their way back to his crib or something. Allegedly, this I, I'm telling the story, like not quoting, uh, but on, that was on Crazy Days and Nights. Y'all have to go look it up on Crazy Days and Nights. This is after read something years ago, and they said that like right before he got to his house, Naomi started reading him out a list 
I charge $30,000 for a night, $100,000 for a weekend. I'm like, this bitch. $200,000 for a month. He said, Nashville promptly dropped her ass back out as he said. Because <laughs> hell, he can get it for free. I don't know if that story is true, but this is the kind of shit they say Naomi Kim will be pulling. Naomi Kim is about the hypergamous life, okay? If you want to look up hypergamy, look up Naomi Campbell and Mariah Carey. <laughs> You can't hang with Naomi and them. Listen, listen, listen. Naomi's about that. Like, you ain't getting no coochie free. You know what? They say somebody in my family. <laughs> this old lady in my family. One of my family. I can't tell y'all which one of my family members it is. <laughs> She's gone to be the glory. But they said she had played that shit, right? She had beautiful daughters. And she's to her daughters. A dry pussy and a wet—I mean, a, a dry purse and a wet pussy don't match. <laughs> <laughs> That's my own Kim. <laughs> That's my own Kim's philosophy, allegedly out in these streets. <laughs> a wet pussy and a dry purse doesn't match. You got to put something in this person. <laughs> what's what's my own theory? She's probably carrying something bigger than a burger. What's she carrying? Her ass. Naomi's like, I'm about that life. You ain't just about to get up in here for no money at all. I'm a hypergamous through and through. Now, this is why hypergamy goes wrong, though. Okay? He's trying to sue her to get his $3 million back. <laughs> oh, God. This is when the sugar daddy shit go wrong, okay? But it's funny as hell. <laughs> about these NFL legal lawsuits out here. Mm-mm-mm. United sued for, I mean, United United Airlines lawsuit. United sued for packing NFL charters with young blonde crews. Is that a surprise? According to Bloomberg.com, it says United Airlines Holdings Inc. packs charter flight teams with young blonde crews and bars holder, bars older flight attendants from working the plum route, according to a new lawsuit. <laughs> In doing so, the airline bases the value of workers entirely on the racial and physical attributes and stereotypical notions of sexual allure, according to two veteran flight attendants who sued Friday in California, which they should. The attendants, a black woman who has worked for the airline for 28 years and a Jewish woman with 34 years of tenure, says that they both tried repeatedly and unsuccessfully to get assigned to work the charter flight. In a statement released Saturday, United highlighted its track record on diversity and inclusion. While we cannot comment on this ongoing litigation, the flight attendants included in our sports team charter programs are largely representative of our overall flight attendant population in regards to age and race, the company said. Importantly, flight attendant eligibility to work a charter flight is based solely on performance and attendance and has nothing to do with age, race, or gender. United has contract providers uh, to air travel for some of the three dozen teams in the National Football League, Major League Baseball, National College Athletic Association, 
According to the lawsuit, attendants who worked those flights earned more and provided with premium accommodations. They also sometimes get tickets to games, including playoffs and Super Bowl tickets, and extremely valuable infield passes, uh, according to the lawsuit. Okay. Uh, Shannon Taser and Kim Gordy said they were told by supervisors they were unable to get to work on charters because they weren't on the preferred list that were based on team preferences, according to the complaint. They say they later discovered the young white blonde attendants with less seniority were given the assignment, okay? Now, I can believe this. Remember, I said blondes are valued, high value in white society, okay? And I always tell black males, okay, if you're dating a true blonde or she's true blonde, you need to ask yourself what the fuck she's probably done over in white society. No, seriously. That's serious shit. I, I really do say that. I mean, fuck. If it's a black... I, you know, when I was a, I was a black woman when I was in college, I dated a true blonde white male. He was like, they loved the fuck out of him. The, the white girls was looking. One day he came to, and he, he could sing too, he could sing real good and everything. And one, he was real popular. And so one day he came, and the white girls was looking at me like, who the fuck? He, they came to one of my friends. They said, who was he here to see? And they was like, his girlfriend. And they was like, what? They looked at me like, bitch. But listen. He was trying out black society. He wasn't really about that life, you know, in my personal opinion. <laughs> and he was hanging around a bunch of black guys at the time, but he was very, you know, he was hot. He was blonde and blue-eyed, which is a commodity to white girls, okay? So I had to check his shit to see, you know, why the fuck is, you know, are you one of this black girl? But then I understood later on. Okay, so, you know. So I always tell black males, you know, when you you get picked by a blonde, be very careful. You know, watch your because when they can get upper the top top tier in their community. So find out what the fuck's going on first. Like, is she be what? She are you second on the list? Like the Kardashians. There's a reason they go to black guys because they probably can't get Matthew McConaughey. You understand? They might if they had cleaned up a little bit. Who is Matthew married to? I forget that girl. She's real pretty. She's Brazilian. But you could, they couldn't get Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Let's say it like that, okay? So sometimes you got to see where, you know, some people fall, they fall their places in life and stuff. So they're giving these girl, blind girls, they fooling these athletes. They're giving them access to the wealth and the riches of some of these athletes. They're probably on there to try to get most of these black, white athletes. And the ones that can't get the white athletes are down, far down way to the black ones that got money. It's a game. Okay, I personally think that's some bullshit. To, 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 to stop sexual harassment lawsuits and everything, you need to have a mixture of all kind of people on those planes. Old, young, whatever. If they doing good service, they need to be on that plane. Now, fuck, you get to choose. Come on, we want some lines up here. Like you said, you gonna ask? You gonna these these? I if I was for coaches and owners of these teams, I say fuck what they say. Put on there a number of different people because we don't want nobody coming back. But no, me too. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a crapshoot anyway. So all to me, it should be uh, you should have all kind of people on those that have flight attendants and and and, and be able to uh, go onto those planes like that. It's it's you know it's kind of you know, but that happens in life. The best looking chicks sometimes get into the better places now. The fact that it's blonde concerns me because just because you are blonde don't mean you're the best looking. There's some very good looking black women. And you know, when black women over 40, we still be looking like we 22. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. 
I'm just saying that that is discrimination, and I don't blame these ladies. If this was if this is what was being done, if United Airlines was doing this, then that is um, that is discrimination. And if the teams were doing it, it's discrimination. Now, if it was based on them giving the best service, that's a different story. But if it's not based on that, okay. Where are we at in the show, y'all? We got to look. I'll tell you, I ain't going to promise y'all another show this week because I know I got more to talk about. Too. When we come back, we got what else we got to talk about out in the street? Uh, y'all talk about, talk about Chris Rock. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, when I come back, we're going to get some more. Uh, we're going to talk about these avatars out here. Speaking of people trying to build their way up in life, we're going to talk about the avatars out here uh, <laughs> in these streets uh, and uh, uh, who are pretending to be black, okay? Uh, I do got to talk about Kanye urinating on that Grammy. Am I going to have time today? I don't know if I had time for all these stories I got to tell y'all. Maybe we'll go into overdrive. Y'all know how overdrive go. If overdrive cuts off, y'all know I got to do a second show at some point during the week, okay? So that's how I'll say to y'all. Okay, but meanwhile, let's get into some music, okay? Let's take a break. We come back, try to get on Kanye uh I hear these Grammys, peeing in these Grammys, and his is and uh, 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 Paris Hilton trying to be full elite. We gonna try to get into that story, but first we gotta talk about the avatars among us, because I feel like that's I feel like that blonde story is a great way to go into the avatars. Okay, so we'll talk about that and more when I get back. Meanwhile, let's listen to what do we want to listen to? I don't know. Why can't I always be smooth? I don't know. I don't know why I can't be smooth. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's listen to uh, the brand new heavy, Never Stop. It's the CC Show. I'll be back in a moment. Okay, y'all? Never stop. 
never stop. Wait a minute. Y'all can, can y'all hear me? Okay. Y'all know it's hot. Y'all know how I be messy on this show now. <laughs> All right. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta, and I am back. Let's talk about. All the avatars that are being found right now among us, okay? I call them avatars. If you ever seen the movie The Avatar, you know what I'm talking about. The movie The Avatar was about a man who pretended to be, uh, was it like an alien group or something? I forget what the avatars were, but he pretended to be one of them, right? But he's really a white guy. He put on a blue suit and everything and went down there and lived among them and everything and was studying them and shit. And then they found out he wasn't real, and then they, it's just real weird shit. It's a really, I hate the Avatar, really. I hated that movie. I saw so many racial elements. But anyway, you know me, I can't just go watch a movie. <laughs> Let's talk about it, okay? Let's talk about this university. It's actually very pretty. Uh, it says, graduate, graduate student is lying about being black and resigns from teaching role at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, okay? It says C.V. Vitolo Hadid, who identifies as non-binary, admitted to pretending to be black or Latino when they are actually Southern Italian and Sicilian. Now, Sicilian, you know, uh, has a lot of mixture of different things, okay? You might be 2% black or whatever, you know. But it says the grad student confessed to the deceptions in two medium blog posts. Vitolo Hadid entered a... Vitolo Hadid, I think I'm saying, entered black organized organizing spaces, and when others asked about being black, did not say no on three separate occasions. The teacher apologized for every ounce of heartbreaking portrayal called. Vitolo Hadid resigned from the teaching assistant job at the university as well as the role of co-president and teaching assistants association. Jessica Krug, a white professor at George Washington University, resigned last week after confessing she had been faking black for years, okay? Now, <clears throat> let's talk about this, because I was just talking about elite white blondes and everything. But let me tell you that what's kind of an elite thing in black society, in my personal opinion, is sometimes colorism. We can be colorists in black society, and sometimes, you know, um, if you appear to be mulatto or light-skinned or, you know what I'm saying, long hair, something like that, in the community, sometimes you will get uplifted. And that's why sometimes I believe a lot of these these, these people come over here. It's not because they really want to be black. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that all the time. Uh, what I believe is they find themselves failing among their groups. Okay, because, you know, you're not such an unusual bird in white society, okay? That's what I'm saying. You know, you're not such an unusual thing. Uh, Vitalo is not such an unusual thing in, 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 in her. Uh, they Some people think she's Sicilian and Sicilian. There's a lot of Sicilian. I used to have a good friend that was Sicilian. There, there's a lot of good-looking Sicilian, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of good-looking black women, okay? But sometimes what we up in black society has good-looking is very Europeanish, okay? So, uh, uh, and, and, and sometimes it's unusual, okay? So we'll, we'll, we carry the standards from our oppressors sometimes, at times, okay? Now, in, in, but in her society, she can't use that as to, to move through it, okay? Like, she can't use her look. Are, are certain things to move through society, but you can come over to black society where sometimes being mulatto and light is considered beautiful. We know, we know that shit ain't true, 
but it's considered, or it's considered, uh, um, the more European looking you are, you're able to pass through doors and stuff like that. Okay, so um, you know uh, that 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 that. So so they come over to black society and pretend to be black because they look different. They look more mulatto. They look more European. I know this is uh, that, and so they're they're put. No, I noticed these these one women put on. Uh, they weren't in low parts of society. No, they were teachers, head of NAACP, uh, big time speakers, and everything like that. And that is because sometimes we praise certain things in our community. And they can come over here and they can get more access to sexual access to males. They can get better males because a lot of black men, not all black men, but a lot of black men uh, have a thing for light, bright, mulatto, long weaves and stuff like that. Now, listen, I like a good weave and a good child. I, I think anything that hands or looks at anything is okay. I ain't mad at that. But because uh, I, I, but but doing that for to be because you want to be more European and all that shit, that's crazy. That's ridiculous, okay? You don't have to do that to be more European. You might want to do something to enhance your look one day or to enhance your this and that. But these women come over here sometimes with that, and they will pretend to be black because it gives them, they get a better selection of males. They they can get the top tier of males because that's what the top tier like. I hope y'all get what I'm saying, okay? So uh, so they're able to pretend, whereas in their society, they don't have the hang-ups that black people do. So, like, Rachel Dolezal couldn't probably get the top tier of, tier of black of white males. Her ass was probably losing, going to lose in white society, so she brought her ass over in the black society to try to win and have access to funding and to special things that are set aside for black people. Same thing with this chick. And you don't know if they asses is working for spy groups and shit like that. You never know. Okay, so, I, you know, I pull and tell pro because Rachel Dolezal was moving up in the NAACP, so ain't no telling what shit was going on there. All I'm saying is this is, this, this is a reflection of us and what we value in our community, you know. Uh, just because you're a certain thing, these women think they can come over here and just because they feel like they can succeed. And it's kind of an insult. And it's an insult to the black women who who could could have some of the things that they had access to. So I found this story very interesting, uh, you know, and how she was moving. It's just, you know, because sometimes, that's what I said, sometimes people can't, that's what I said about even certain blondes. You know, when they can get the top tier of men in their in their group, their group, their their male group, peer group, because white males value like blonde, they have a certain thing to they value. Uh, then when black men, there's so many things and the problems that come sometimes with being married to a black man in America or uh, a group that is racially harassed. So you have to black men. I always say, I always ask yourself about why is this blonde? Make sure she really likes you for you. Maybe it's because she was kicked out of her her group, society group, in some sort of way, and she's coming over to you because you find it unusual who she is. You're more you're attracted to European standards, and so they play off of your uh, lack of esteem. 
lack of self-awareness and self-esteem. They did it to a lot of black men. Like, they just had to pick these seconds. They didn't. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Listen, hey. I'm not saying the same thing. Women do that in life, period. Times will, you know, they might not pick their first choice to marry sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Because maybe the first choice was shit. Okay? And you might find, I'm serious, you might find, you might, there's a lot of women, you know, that been with good looking men and men that, you know, and then they end up marrying a guy that's like, you know, you're like, dang, he ain't good as her first boyfriend. But that's because the first boyfriend wasn't shit. Maybe she found somebody nicer and kinder to her. But this isn't the reason them women are like, these women do that kind of shit. These women do shit that are uh, stuff like, you know, they're trying to have access to wealth and stuff like that. So they'll play on a lot of male self-esteem. Black men, particularly, and what you find high value, or what you find will make you uh, better, uh, more acceptable in 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 white society. So it is what it is. Okay, okay. Let's talk about Kanye West out here urinating, child. In these last six minutes, and we probably gonna go into overdrive. We are gonna try it in overdrive to do a couple of stories in overdrive and see if we can get to them. Okay. But Kanye West appears to urinate on Grammy Award and tweets and storms in tweet storm about music ownership. He even put out his whole contract, child. But it says Kanye West served up a tweet storm. This is according to uh, popculture.com about music ownership on Wednesday. And in one post, the rapper appears to urinate on a Grammy Award. In the clip, the award can be seen resting in a toilet as a stream of liquid lands on, on top of it, presumably from West. In the caption, rest wrote me, I won't stop. Notably, he also appears to be wearing a pair of his famous Yeezy shoes. Along with his video post, West has shared copies of, of a number of legal music contracts and agreements. I know my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will make fools of, of and punish all who are participating in unfair contracts, he tweeted, ahead of sharing, sharing many documents. Everyone at University, Versal, and Vivendi, Javindi, please understand that I would do everything in my legal power and use my voice until all artist contracts are changed, starting with getting my master's for my children. I will not stop. I promise you, I am petty and, and very personal. He is petty as fuck because he's a Gemini. <laughs> they so petty. They are petty. <laughs> oh, they more petty than Scorpio. <laughs> West also asked that all, all of his fans cover him in prayer because he is one of the most famous people on the planet. And Universal won't tell me what my masters cost because they know I can afford them. He offered black masters matter. Let me in his situation. The rapper wrote, Universal won't tell me what they cost because they know I can afford to buy them. Let me stop right here. Ooh, Jesus, Kanye is hilarious. You know what? Part of me thinks Kanye is a crazy fucking genius, and then the other part of me thinks he needs his man. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Let me just say this about Kanye West. You know, that's with Gemini's period. Like, sometimes you think Gemini's is just bipolar any fucking way, right? <laughs> so to have a disorder, it's just like, oh, shit. Uh, listen, I... You know, Part of me, I was talking this week to somebody, and I said, you know, there's a part of me that does not think Kanye is crazy because or he plays to the bipolar. He plays to being crazy because everybody knows he's got some type of mental disability, so he plays to it a little bit more. 
so he can get away with the things he said. And it's like pretty much a genius way to say some shit, some real shit. But I probably think, because you, one of the reasons I said I don't think he's crazy all the time is because he, he knows when to appear on with the Kardashians and when not to appear. To appear. You know, because you can make a lot of money off of crazy on reality TV shows, as I saw with the Braxons this week and everything. And the fact that Kanye uh, limits his appearances on the Kardashians, limits how he's perceived on that reality show, makes me think he's not as crazy <laughs> as he appears to be. Like, he's very much in control of his energy. Else he would use the Kardashians as a platform to go completely off every week, and he does not. So part of me thinks that he's a crazy genius, which is very Dominion too, right? You know, um, like Prince, you know, Prince was one wild shit. But a little bit, I thought Prince was a little crazy too, you know, because you got to be a little crazy, you know, to be a creative a creative artist. You know, you, you're, a little, you're a little wild a little bit. So, yeah, okay. So I kind of think the same thing about Kanye, okay? All right, you guys, we're heading to two minutes into the show. I'm going to go into overdrive. If I get cut off, I was going to try to do two more two, two, two more stories in overdrive that I need to do. If we get cut off, I will try my best to do a show sometime during the week so I can get the rest of these stories out to you guys, okay? If uh, not, if we don't get cut off, I will see you guys, see you guys in overdrive. If you do, remember you can hit me up on the Colorado Chatwood Facebook page. Carly's Galaxy, Carly's underscore Galaxy on uh, Instagram, and C Chatwood Show at Carlotta72 on Twitter, okay? I'm out. We're going to leave with Jill Scott. Lovely day. And for those of you who are on the phone line, stay on, and we're going to overdrive. The rest of you, you have to catch it in the archives, okay? I'm out. See y'all. Up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes. And something without warning, love, bears heavy on. It's gonna be, it's gonna be
you the archive show. I'm Carlotta, and we're about to get finish up on this Kanye story. So Kanye's out in the streets acting uh, completely up in here. And, you know, here's the thing. This is the interesting thing about Kanye. I don't know. Like I said, I think he might be a crazy genius. You know, I don't know. Okay? Uh, but let's just, we're going to continue to watch Kanye. He's right on some of this stuff he's saying about record companies. I don't think he's completely, I don't think he said one lie concerning the record companies. I, I actually don't. Um, very interesting. We'll see what he's allowed to get away with. And if Kanye does really do, can do anything about his contract. <laughs> Maybe that's where he goes by polo, okay? Now, interesting enough, Kylie's cosmetic parent company is being sued for allegedly inflating her brand. Didn't we talk about this a several a long time ago? I told y'all it was inflated. Tasha K even talked about this the other night. But I told y'all that this was inflated a long time ago, long time ago when it first started coming out, okay? Um, Kylie Jenner's beauty brand is in hot water. According to the fashion law, uh, Cody, the parent company which owns a 51% stake in Kylie Cosmetics is facing lawsuits over allegedly inflating the value of Jenner's beauty brand and deceiving the shareholders, okay? That, this is according to InStyle.com. They said the outlet reports that Cody shareholder Crystal Garrett Evans argues in a proposed class action lawsuit filed in New York federal court on September the 4th that the Cody engaged in a fraudulent scheme and course of business that operated to deceive purchasers of court purchasers of Cody's shares by dis, uh, dis, disseminating materially uh, uh, false and misleading statements and are concealing material adverse facts about Cody's business operations and prospects, okay? Uh, it says the lawsuit claims that Cody overpaid for the P&G specialty beauty business Kylie Cosmetics acquisition after not properly assessing the value of uh, of, of it, okay? Uh, listen, uh, let me pray here. Let's see. Hold on here. What's this part? The, the, uh, they said the lawsuit also cited a Forbes article from May 2020, which claimed Kylie Jenner had been inflating the size and success of Kylie Cosmetic Business for years. After the publication of the piece, the lawsuit claims Cody stock fell to 0.56, over 13%. A more realistic account of her personal fortune puts it at under $900 million, the outlet reported, claiming the Jenner numbers presented by Jenner's team have been manipulated for years and that her account drafted tax returns with a fake figure, okay? Uh, then she wrote on Twitter talking about she never asked uh, Jenner for any title or tried to lie my way ever, period. Okay, listen, listen, but your brand, part of being a Kardashian is to inflate all kind of shit. That's how they make money, to inflate their lifestyle, to inflate. That's how a lot of celebrities make money, okay? A lot of celebrities be fucking broke. I mean, I, I, I ain't going to lie to y'all. It costs more to look like they rich than they do than they make sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes, like, they selling y'all fantasy and shit. Hey, that's why I can appreciate a celebrity that lives below their means. But then it's also a good celebrity, you know, and that's us in our life. You know, we be faking shit out here, too. Shit, my ass be faking sometimes. I be looking like, <laughs> you look like you got something to chill. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? People do a lot of things to look, to inflate their brands, to look good or whatever else and stuff like that. But you can't do that with business practices, okay? And sell your shit on an inflated price. That can get you in a lot of trouble. 
when that can make the Securities and Exchange Commission folks come after you. Mm-hmm. Ask T.I. about that shit. We ain't talking about that story, but we get to that story maybe sometime this week or next week sometime, child. Mm-hmm. I forgot about T.I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lucky he just got fined. That Securities and Exchange Commission don't play that shit. They come and investigate your ass, okay? Uh, very interesting, okay? We'll just keep a look after for this, but we knew Kylie too when nobody, I knew nobody buying that lip, lipstick like that and lips. What's the lips up? I knew they would. I was like, ain't nobody buying that damn lipstick like that. Shit. I don't believe that shit. Well, I didn't believe that whatsoever. Never did. Never did. Okay? Paris Hilton out here wants to, uh, Paris is ready to change. Paris you know, it reminds me of the the, 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 the movie Ma. Have you ever thought of me? I told y'all about that racist movie Ma with, what's that girl's name that played with Viola Davis in, uh, what's the lady's name? She's a good actress. What's her name? She played in the movie with Viola Davis to help. I forget her name, but she plays Ma in the movie. But in the movie, it's all these little white kids that, right, you know, that she, she's babysitting or something. She's hanging out with them and everything. The movie's kind of crazy. But in the movie, I talk about this one line in the movie where this white girl says, in the movie, little white line girl says, everybody knows to 25 that you can act, really do all the wild stuff you want. But at 25, you get serious about life. Basically, it was, it was from white society, I believe. And that's what I believe has happened over the generations with white society, you know. Uh, white society has been through, they went through rock and roll phase. And a lot of people thought rock and, white kids crossing the tracks to hear the rock and roll singers would change their feelings. A lot of people thought the free love, the hippie generation would change white supremacy. Eh, here we are. And a lot of people think today rap and stuff like that will change white supremacy. It's not. White kids understand at a certain age it's time to become most of them. Not all. Now, each generation, do I think we chip away a little bit at that? Yes. But not enough. Why do you say, what does that have to do with Paris Hilton? Well, Paris Hilton reminded me of that line in Ma, when you got to get serious. Paris Hilton has been in the streets being what I call a socialite thought for a long time. Is that what she was? Is that the right word? I don't know. Socialite out in these streets, hanging out. She is a Hilton, after all. Just not acting like a Hilton. Just acting wild and doing it up. Okay? I can't blame her ass. But now Harris wants you, uh, Paris wants you to know something. On her revealing new documentary, it must be almost time. Is this for inheritance? I don't know. She wants, she ready to be more Ivanka-like now. Scorpios, <laughs> we know when to act right. Especially when it comes to the when it comes to the, the heritage stuff, right? Scorpios be like, hold up. Scorpios ain't gonna mess up their inheritance. <laughs> Paris Hilton on a revealing new documentary. I'm not a dumb blonde. No, you're not. Uh, just really good at pretending to be one. And this is from Vogue.com. It says, there's possibly no celebrity better equipped to deconstruct their public image than Paris Hilton. Having spent most of her life staring down a camera lens, the 39-year-old is all too aware of what you think when she coos that hot in over, an overly breathy baby voice that's become her signature. Coming across like a freshly tanned Barbie doll in a velour tracksuit, Hilton was thrust into the public eye as one half of the privileged celebrity 
celebrity time at the heart of the simple life alongside her bestie Nicole Richie. Semi uh, seminal reality series debuted in 2003. A writer for the New York Times described that I, in a, a ravenous celebrity culture, Miss Hilton uh, Rise shows how far celebrity itself has been devalued. But two decades into a career parlaying her party girl image into a global empire, even Hilton's most vocal critics can't accuse her of simply being famous for being famous, at least not anymore. Now, because in, let, let me stop right here with that. Because in Paris' world, Paris did something very unusual for rich kids, okay? She took her unawareness of, of, of society and being a socialite uh, of others in society below her and being a socialite. And she took that and took Nicole Richie along with the ride and kind of introduced the Kardashians too. Uh, and she she made a fucking brand outside of, she used the Hilton empire to jump, jump ship off that brand. Now she did it in what elite society would consider very trashy, okay? Because Hilton's are elite. They'd be like, because you are a hotel area. Right? I forget her grandfather's name, the Hilton guy. Okay? And, you know, in that society, she she did a lot of crazy stuff, but she created her own money and her own brand and her own image. But now I figure, this is Carlotta 101, I feel now it's time to be the analyst. It's time to mature and possibly take the Hilton brand to the next level. And running hotels. Now, Ivanka never had this problem. Ivanka was like, shit, my daddy's enough. Wild as fuck. I'm going to be, I'm going to do the brand differently. I'm going to stay in my elitism and do it like I need to do it. I'm going to stay being ladylike. But Paris wanted to start doing it about her own, doing something on her own. And now she's ready to back back because she's falling. It's the, the image, the brand is falling down now. And now it's time to get into the real semantics of being a Hilton. That's what I that's why she gets this documentary. A new documentary, This is Paris, is, re-intro- is reintroduction of sorts for anyone who will still associate the Hiltons with her early uh, off, okay, tabloid infamy. Okay, you see, I told you, trying to clean up that shit. This release, isn't it something, see, white women can do this. They can go out there and stop it up, trash it up, and, and change it away to the documentary. Since releasing her first fragrance in 2004, Hilton's perfume collection is estimated to have done more than $2.5 billion in sales. She has 19 product lines that span skincare, handbags, jewelry, lingerie, with more than 45 branded retail locations across the Middle East and Asia. Purportedly the highest paid female DJ in the world, raking up to a million per gig. What the fuck? Did she DJ that good? Y'all don't even give DJ Jazzy Jeff a real ass DJ. You see what her name, how much her name costs? See that? She probably is full of shit, DJ. Oh, Lord. Hilton has come a long way since her days on The Simple Life, inquiring whether Walmart sold wall stuff. Remember that? She didn't even know what the fuck Walmart was. She's like, bitch, I don't know what Walmart is. What they sell in Walmart? Wall stuff? which is exactly what she and this is Paris director Alexandra Dean wanted to showcase. I easily could have made this some, some vanity project if I wanted to, but I feel like I've done that my entire career, Hilton told Vogue over a recent Zoom call from her Los Angeles home. I wanted to release something that wasn't a facade. 
I I was just putting up no stranger to uh to having her life documented uh by camera crew, including as recently as the Netflix documentary The American Male. Okay. Let me stop right here. Let me tell you what Paris is doing, okay? Paris is old. The brand is not working in the way in which she, you know, with the young heiress, young heiress, socialite, thotty kind of party girl, okay? Now she's getting up there, and now her ass, what they, I'm going to say it, what's, the, what's, the, what's, the, what's your boys over with, with Jason Black and uh, who, who is, what's the other dude, Kevin Samuel, who's the other people? Uh, uh, my boy, who are O'Shea Duke Jackson, I love you so much. O'Shea is my boy. <laughs> That's a funny show. I be loving his show. Even though I disagree with some of the shit he say on his stuff, but some of the shit is real. I be agreeing with a lot of it, though, but it's funny. Well, O'Shea, if y'all haven't seen O'Shea Duke Jackson, he do the uh, the uh, dusty news and uh, and he also does uh, hitting the wall, talking about women hitting the wall and stuff. Well, listen, Paris has hit the wall in elite society. So now it's time she wants to elite herself back. She wants to ingratiate herself back to the elite from which she bounced off of. And um, she's going to be able to do it. She no longer wants to be reality, sliding it around. She probably will still be, you know, be a DJ for a little bit longer, but she's getting old now, okay? And that image is not going to work as much anymore. Now, I think she's played it a little too long. I think she's played it a little bit. 